are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and Abe is, he might be here, actually. He might show up, but he, he's been busy. He's been a busy deal Regardless, Out Now is a film podcast where Abe and I discuss, normally discuss new movies weekly. However, every now and then we have those special bonus episodes, whether it's one of our fun commentary tracks or something completely different. And this is one of our fun commentary tracks. This is commentary track February 2021, the second installment in our Hannibal Lecter series that we're going to be doing for the first five months of this year. Last month we gave you Manhunter, so this week naturally we are giving you Jonathan Demme's 1991 Best Picture winner, Silence of the Lambs. There's going to be a lot to talk about here, and that's good because joining me to discuss Silence of the Lambs, we have host of the Brandon Peters Show. Believe me, you don't want this guy inside your mind. It's Brandon Peters. Quid pro quo, Aaron. Who else is on the podcast? Quid pro quo. (laughs) Well, good thing you asked because also joining us from the Milky Way Blues, he's making a new suit. It's Yancey Burns. Never ready for this, and once again, I am not ready for this. Hey, guys, welcome. Thanks for having me here. (laughs) And lastly, joining us from Forbes, clearing the bugs out of his throat, it's Scott Mendelson. Always a pleasure. I had something clever 10 seconds ago, but I forgot about it already. (laughs) That's my favorite Hannibal Lecter line. (laughs) That's from Rising, right? Yes. Speaking of which, we're that much closer to Hannibal Rising. (laughs) I've never seen that. Oh, man. Well, then so far you're living life right. (laughs) Yeah, I guess. Gaspar is going to get some good money out of this one, let me tell you. But we're not here to talk about Hannibal Rising just yet. Uh, we're going to talk about Silence of the Lambs. Uh, for those of you that don't know what's up, we're going to do a commentary track here, which basically means we're going to have the movie playing in the background on mute while Scott, Brandon, Yancey, and I are just going to talk over it. Um, if you plan to watch the movie, if you <laughs> if you plan to watch the movie with us, uh, we currently have it paused on the... This is There's a number of releases for Silence of the Lambs. I'm aware of this. Three of us currently have the Criterion release. So if you have that, 25 seconds in. If you have just like a regular release, we're at the MGM logo after we paused it where the, the lion roars for the second time. So if you plan to follow along with film while listening to us, that's relatively where you can be able to do it. Some might have just the Orion logo. Godspeed. You'll figure it out. Um, so with that in mind, I'm going to count down from the from three and say, go. We're just going to keep talking. If you're just hey, Aaron, listening. to Yeah. For this one, can we count down from three, two, one? <laughs> no. Oh. Because you asked nicely, yes, we can do that. But I'm going to count down from three, and on the sound. Of, By the way, with your background, you might want to watch where you're sitting if you're in direct location where I think you are in that in that cell room. I'm keeping that in mind. You, there might be stuff getting flung <laughs> in the air. Yeah. Uh, whip all that said, if you're listening to listen, you're good. Just keep listening. I'm going to count down from three now. You guys ready? Ready. <laughs> three, two, one. That is the Orion logo that's right after the end. Well, <laughs> here we go. Big scene. So it's pretty. In the big scene, watch. Might be, might be three seconds away. We're going to talk about that scene and the other. There's two scenes in this movie that young Aaron did not understand when he was watching this as a child. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> uh, speaking of which, let's get to this right now as we listen to this the is Howard. Dino De Laurentiis' favorite Hannibal Lecter movie. <laughs> <laughs> Much like we just talked about uh, Denzel Washington chasing after Seven, uh, Dino seemed to want to chase after Hannibal ever since after this movie came out. Yes, kids, if you love, tell me something. That's it. He was or, relatively the, the little things. Sorry, the little things. <laughs> tell me something's like a Japanese film. Why? Okay. Anyways, um, <laughs> I was gonna say. Oh, we're gonna talk about when we first saw this movie. We kind of talked about this a little bit of the Manhunter commentary. At least I did, just because of the relative proximity of this film and. 
discovering it versus discovering Manhunter. Uh, but with that said, I saw this movie when I was quite young. I think I've talked about this many times before, specifically when we did our T2 commentary, but T2 is like a movie I grew up with, essentially. Um, this movie, not so much, despite being the same year, but I did see this quite early on, as in like when it was on video, I have seen this movie already. Um, it's a watch. Like, it's not one that like ruined me any, by any means, but it's certainly like, I think that's that speaks to the power of how good this movie is, where outside of the horror aspects there's just a really good police procedural here so it really sucks mm-hmm. you in regardless of age to some extent uh, I, I didn't I forget roger corman's actually credited i know he has a cameo i forgot he like credited in the cast um but yeah no seeing that i i mean i've i i've since seen well after seeing the movie when i was very young i eventually read the book i talked about reading listening to the audiobook of my mom um that was narrated by kathy bates uh this uh is one of was one of my mom's favorite movies like ever uh, like on a short list, this would be very high up there for her. Uh, so it's it's one that I've I've always really loved as well, just because it's, it's I mean it's a great movie as as is anyway, but um, just does a lot for me as far as being a great horror film, being a great drama, being a great a lot of things in a lot of ways. So, but uh, Yancey, let's shoot to you because you weren't on our Manhunter commentary. When did you come into the world of Hannibal Lecter? I my father who always was very good at sharing things with me that you might not share with someone who was 16, 17 had shared with me as he was reading Red Dragon. And then this, when it first came out, he had me read Red Dragon. I read Red Dragon. I loved Red Dragon. I saw Manhunter. I love Manhunter. I read this, the paperback when it came out. I remember Gene Hackman was going to be cast. I was going to direct it and, and play Hannibal Lecter. And Michelle Pfeiffer was going to be in it. Then I remember Jonathan Demme taking over. I looked it up today. I saw this on on February 3rd, 91, I think. There was a national sneak preview of 45 theaters in L.A. I saw it at the Delamo Mall. I'm not sure what the picture I had to see to go see it with. Because, you know, the sneak preview would be like another picture and then this. But I saw it, I saw it then, maybe two weeks before it came out. I don't remember my immediate reaction. Um but I, I'm, I'm certainly I loved it, and and you know, I, I, as, as as a fan of the book, I, I'm a huge fan of the movie. I, it's one of those that I can I can watch at any time. I think I think it's I would agree with your mom that it's probably at the end of the day one of the great greatest most effective movies ever made, and very accurate. We'll talk about this more, but I mean, it's a pretty accurate like point by point adaptation of the novel for the mm-hmm. most part. Um, Scott, 16, yeah. okay, Scott, how about you? Uh, I I read the book first. Um, I liked it quite a bit. Then I read Red Dragon. I saw this relatively about a right when it started airing on on Showtime. So so big cable. So early ninety two. Um, right after it, well mid mid to pre summer. Right after it won a bunch of Oscars. I certainly knew what it was. I had followed its release. Uh, you know, for a year before I'd even seen it. Um. And yeah, I mean, it was, it, you know, at the risk of being cliche, it lived up to the hype. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I loved it then. I love it now. I think the last 30 years of crime cinema has only made it look better just because it is still so, again, not, not, not to simplify, it's, it still feels like so much more than just a serial killer thriller. It really does feel like a great American myth. Yep. And, you know, 30 years later, I, I feel comfortable saying it is one of the best mainstream Hollywood pictures ever. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and you know, we could talk about it, its legacy, its pop culture impact, yada, yada, yada. But it is a phenomenal picture then and now. Um, and, you know, I think every film of this nature that came after it, including the other Hannibal Lecter films, have been chasing its ghost. Yep. And we'll get to you, but real quick, I, I just want to ask, um, Jodie Foster, she's she's not tall, right? She's she's. <laughs> she and Holly Hunter are among seem like the short, some, of the, some of the shorter ones. Um, do you feel like this scene where we're establishing everything involving her and the FBI, like do you, not only is she already like probably smaller, but do you think Jonathan Demi like purposely cast everyone to be taller than her as far as walking? I think so. Well, I possibly, think yeah. And his camera angles are always shooting down on her mm-hmm. and from her perspective, always looking up. If you notice, there's a lot of mm-hmm. everybody looking That's up. That's the B purpose of this movie from the get go. Mm-hmm. It's telling yeah. this incredibly dense story, but it's also telling us a story about living as a woman in a world where the men are in control. and Everyone is threatening on some level. Even Scott Glenn here is vaguely threatening in a sexual way, all the way up to Buffalo Bill, who is, it really effectively conveys, I think, as a man, I imagine what it's like to be a woman in a world where men are in charge. Scott Glenn as Dennis Farina as Jack Crawford. <laughs> <laughs> and this is, I mean, you may, Yancey, you mentioned it. J- J- Gene Hackman had the rights to this and was going to adapt and direct and star. And yeah, he was going to play the Jack. He was going to play the Jack Crawford role. That was his intention. Harvey Keitel, didn't you? Sorry, Harvey Keitel isn't he in Red Dragon? Jack Crawford. He's yes, yeah. He's in, he's in um, Hannibal, too. He's Jack Crawford. No. Is he? Uh, Jack Crawford's not in Hannibal. Isn't no. he, though? No, he di- in the book, he died of a heart attack in between. Why do oh. I think they cast him and then they cast him back in Red Dragon? I don't know. Maybe I read it wrong. I haven't seen uh, it. I'm going to watch Hannibal in between this no. and Hannibal because I haven't seen it in forever. Who's uh, Ray I, Liotta? I know the character that Ray Liotta plays is in this. Who's point him out to me? Well, we... Michael Cutlitz is playing that character on that Clarice series I just read yes. today. Um, but that's yeah because they can't Crundler. use Jack Crawford on that show. So but they can use they can use Crundler, I believe is the name. Right? Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah, Crundler, yeah, Paul Crundler. Mm-hmm. By the way, I, we're going to talk all about this, and I'm, I haven't forgotten Brandon. Uh, but the um, the cinematography here, I really want to tell you when I first saw it. The cinematography <laughs> of this movie from Tafu Komodo, like that was not nominated. I think is incredible. Like yeah. something so like personal and eerie. It, it just about like the, the way he uses uh, direct to camera close up look into like it's just it, it's really effective. It's deceptively stylish. It's like really yes. highly stylized, but it doesn't look highly. I mean, when you go from Manhunter to this, you it obviously looks normal, but it is a really stylized film. But it's I think it's something that got knocked off so much. It, the luster kind of goes away, but it's still there with this. It's just interesting because, you know, we talked about Seven a few months earlier for a commentary track, which also has a score by Howard Shore, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a movie that's obviously intensely stylized. So it's like wa- watching this movie, I think we probably talked about it too, but this movie and that movie, which are very different as far as how they're presenting things, yet they're both the films that like influenced every other like serial killer drama, thriller that yeah. came out since then. Little Things is definitely this and Seven and nothing yeah. else. Well, yeah. and like, <laughs> like Seven, I mean, Seven was like, what if Silence of the Lambs? but nobody cleaned the bathroom for years. <laughs> you know, that's what they... Um, Here's where we got one of the other uh, f- big supporting characters here with uh, Anthony Held as mm-hmm. um, uh, Childs? Dr. Uh, was it? Chilton. 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 Alex Chilton, of course. Um, but, uh, I, I like that he kept... It, despite <laughs> the movie, I do like that he came back. and like He keeps playing this like... Basically, this awful guy. Yeah, but, um, well, he's not in Hannibal, is he? 
No, he's in Red Dragon, though. Yeah. He's yes. dead after this, theoretically, right? Hannibal must well, well, I he, mean, that's the, what we're left with. To yeah, yeah. Him. Oh, that's not, See, the opening, a... that's not the opening credits of Hannibal, him just eating this guy, <laughs> like shot I, an extreme close-up. In retrospect, I'm kind of shocked it's not. <laughs> I'm sure Ridley Scott uh, asked. Yeah, like, yeah. No, I'm busy. I'm making Boston public. I can't do that right now. Right. <laughs> the leering, creepy jerk, this character here, again, is leering in Jodie Foster's face and just coming at her. It can't help but be a relief to meet Hannibal Lecter and find that he's at least polite, you know. And that's a work. that's a great point. I'm glad you brought that up early on. As far as yeah, the movie's other operating function is to say like, look, there's a woman in this world, and it's very difficult. Like that's the theme held throughout. And yeah, the the you know the psychopath is the one that treats her with respect and has a sense of decorum around her. Uh, Brandon, before that's we get to Lecter, as we as we approach it, when did you first see Silence of the Lambs? Uh, I didn't see it till I mean it came out what like ninety ninety one ninety one and I was in early like high school like my sophomore year or something I decided like I was like I'm gonna just watch great movies all the time or whatever and I and this was one I picked up at I think they had the Criterion I was it on Criterion DVD I there was a was. Criterion laser disc I know well I I picked up in my library and I was like yeah I'm gonna watch this and I took it home that like afternoon popped it in and I was just like floored. I really, I was like, well, this is probably, I'm like, oh my God, this is like a perfect movie. Like, do you just know it? And from the start and I I was just drawn, like, this is what a movie that just soaked me in. It was like great cop stuff, great horror stuff. I got a joke from Cable Guy even more. Um, (laughs) And like, yeah, I just was like, holy crap. And I had seen Seven before this. So, I mean, I I wasn't like, oh, well, ruined it because I saw Seven. I was like, this movie was still phenomenal and better than Seven, uh, even seeing it after. And seeing, I think I saw it after, I think I saw Copycat before I saw this. So, uh, it still had the incredible effect. But, like, I, great movies will do that. I saw real, real quick phrase Frankie phase the other like main actor. That He's in all of these them. movies. Yeah. Through the whole series almost. Right? Mm-hmm. And in right Hannibal uh, rising, obviously he's the one that uh, gave Hannibal his special powers. That's yes. the reveal. Of that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but like, like I say, I saw, I didn't see the original Halloween, my favorite film. till after I'd seen like Friday the 13th, after I'd seen the Elm streets, I saw Halloween and it still was above and worked so well, even though I should have been desensitized from seeing all the knockoffs the original still was head and shoulders above yeah i, I had the them. same but, feeling when i saw scary movie before i saw usual suspects so it was just like go, wow man. i can't believe <laughs> uh, so now we're getting and we're getting this, a lot of we're getting this pov shot which is why great. don't they have glass <laughs> <laughs> i was thinking this last i was i they're, watched this the other night they're light eaters that's why yeah they've got glass after this I mean, let's talk about this dungeon that these like. What do these guys do for one thing? As far as they have to be down here with Hannibal, like what are the what are the horrible things these guys do? But also, this is such like a a medieval prison that they have to go through to get to this guy. Yeah, it's quite the. And we talked about obviously Brian Cox last month, and now we're getting to Hannibal, much so much stylistically different as far as the kind of. Lockup right. that they positioned him in, where he. You know, oh, I mean, the room that he was in the last one was fully sanitized before they visited this one. Just lock it and. Let the cobwebs the build. Barney. I, I also didn't mean to come in at the multiple MIGs part. And little, yet, yeah. <laughs> I'm almost there. We're getting there. Yeah. Um, 
the while it looks like a dungeon and stuff, I just take it as like a old campus building. Like this is like if you go to sure. college stuff, you see old buildings. Yep. It, they and that's kind of the like a a cooler college has those old buildings in my yeah. Opinion. No, this is actually just what Baltimore looks like uh, if you go visit it right now. It's a great introduction to Hannibal, by the way, as far as him just like standing there, like waiting for you know, oh, yeah. for to go. like it's a really nice mm-hmm. like. And ruined in a couple movies with <laughs> various spoofs. Oh, um, the way they light him, the way they get his eyes—it's great. Um, and you know, I, I think it's to this film's credit. You know, he's not in much of this picture. He's in um, twenty minutes total. Yeah, yep. give or yeah, and this is basically his main scene. Um, well, this and his. Yeah, they, they, I mean, well, they, the, the he, biggest. Yeah, the biggest. They, well, between him and her, I guess he gets a is, whole yeah. subplot or later on in the movie. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I think me, in terms of uh, in terms of their interactions, most of the quote unquote cliches of this film, the things that were riffed on, the things that were spoofed on, are from this single sequence. Um, and it just does so much, mm-hmm. you know, almost instantaneously. <laughs> It's a masterclass in the way we sometimes see the glass between them, sometimes don't, sometimes yes. see the reflection of one in the glass when the other's mm-hmm. talking. And, you know, you think shooting a scene of two people talking is boring. This Demi and Fujimoto make this scene just, you watch it a hundred times. The performances are so finely tuned and the filmmaking is so thoughtful, you know? Now, is it a Demi choice or is it a... Uh... Uh, Tony choice to to look at the camera like hey just just look right into the down the barrel of the lens oh that's 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 he's that's he's, tax, that's the cinematographer Fukumoto's yeah. choice like yeah. that's like yeah. a thing that he, and then Demi's like yes I love it <laughs> like, <laughs> I started doing that before this though is I don't think there's any of this in something wild or or hey, married to the mob there's a little bit in married to the mob I want to married to the mob yeah she says but that's when he started using it. it's a lot of it in Philadelphia too. Yeah, after this is when it like becomes more of a thing. But also the genres are, you know, this is more intense. And there's a there's I feel like there's a this was a, a demi invention. I mean, when or a demi in, in yeah. Philadelphia, when Mary Steenburgen is delivering those devastating, yeah, you know, it's right to the camera, right to you. It's 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 an interesting demi invention, you know. Because beyond like I don't know something wild, like these are tenser movies than those are. Like there, there. I think there, and there's a purpose there. There's there, there's a more there's a purpose that necessitates something like not necessarily but like it it functions within what Demi's trying to do better than it would in something like in like Married to the Mob, even though it has kind it of felt like an odd choice for Demi and initially because like well he's not going to yeah. do this coming into this yeah. it's his greatest movie arguably this and stop making sense maybe I mean he, but it seemed odd at the time that Demi was going to do this dark 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 because his movies were so full of human warmth generally and, and vibrancy and it's also i mean this movie it's not a huge i mean it's orion it's not a huge studio movie but at the same time he had pretty much sworn off studios at this point right like he was doing like even when he did, it was more like i'm gonna do this movie because i want to do this movie he wasn't taking work because he was available it was because like i after not doing what was that what's the goldie Hawn movie that he didn't was a disaster for him yeah, yeah and that and it was like taken away from him right like it, so it in the editing I know there's like two cuts of it, bro. But that guy, at that point, he was like, yeah, you know okay. what? Yeah, like this is, if I'm going to make a movie, I'm going to want to make the movie I want to make. Just speaking of Orion, despite the success of this film, they were already folding up. Like this is, and then Robocop 2 would be the end of it a couple of years later. But this was, I mean, they, they were already in trouble when this film, despite its success, despite its awards, they were 
they were in trouble. Hashtag no matter what this did. This was this was this was an illusion for people. Like, oh look, Orion's got all this, but they were in trouble. Well, they're back now. Yeah, now they're back. <laughs> they had uh, what Gretel and Hansel and uh, people love their movies. logos. They'll bring all of it back just to see that logo what's on that, something. What's the creepy the cool kid logo. movie? Hmm? What's the creepy kid movie that came? Out? Uh, the boy, not the boy. That, that's uh, that's STX. The other creepy kid. Uh, we Scott, you were there. <laughs> what is it? Oh, oh, the the prodigy or the whatever. Pro- yeah, uh, yeah. Yes. Oh, Firestarter. Twisted yeah. Firestarter. <laughs> <laughs> I do like the like. Obviously, we're you know we're talking about the one of the key scenes here, but like the um the banter that's created early on with Foster and um and Hopkins when they're first talking, like he's intrigued and she's trying to like she seems more at ease, but then when he wants to, you know, get to the case and he's like, when you want to look at this for me and, and he's like, Oh, you were doing so well. I like that. He yeah. calls her out on like uh, how, how she's approaching uh, this situation that he can easily acknowledge is obviously weird. It's like, like he yeah, knew she like, was getting there. He knew yeah. she was getting there. That was he, he wanted to see what that segue was going to be. And just like, Oh, you failed that one. Like just this constant <laughs> testing that she's doing. Well, I think there's to a certain extent, there's a running theme in this picture in terms of, the games that people play in terms of communication, you know, mm-hmm. being being earnest and sincere versus being patronizing. Um, and that gets, you know, I'll, I'll go to it when it comes up. My favorite, my, my favorite line in the picture is where, you know, she calls out Jack on being, you know, a somewhat obnoxious schmuck just to, you know, for the purpose of the case mm-hmm. in a way that implicitly insults her. Mm-hmm. Um, it's sort of this, the, the shortcuts that we use to no. <laughs> look out, Aaron. So, <laughs> as a child, I'm like, what was that? Like, I don't know what that <laughs> was exactly like, at that point in time. Did he spit a loogie in his hand? That's, I mean, Eggs, that's what I that's fun. what I figured. Like, I was like, all right, that's disgusting. Then it got worse. Did he, so. How did Hannibal know what happened exactly? He I, like, think he was, I, mean, I mean, I think he knows Migs. Just a guess. <laughs> it's just a classic Migs move. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's like exactly. I, I know what this guy's in here for. They oh. have chats. Yeah, exactly. everybody's got fireside looking. bedside chats. That'd be a podcast. Fireside bedside chats with multiple with multiple Migs. <laughs> um. You know, it strikes me, you know, when, when I do watch this, how yeah. a, a friend setting her wardrobe is and her look, you know, the hair, the wardrobe. In terms of basically, it's the, the set type for basically 30 years of crime scene procedural characters. Right. Obviously, Dana Scully, obviously, you know, characters from Criminal Minds and SVU and what have you. Um, it is hard to remember what a trend-setting character she was, you know, in 1991. When even the idea of a, you know, pardon the cliche, a strong, empowered, take-charge female character in a grody serial like killer movie like me. this was in itself relatively unique. Yeah. Well, I mean, between uh, the two books, you have, like, an, like iconic characters throughout our time. Like, you know, the yeah. Jack Crawford, iconic. Will Graham, iconic. Hannibal Lecter, Clarice Starling, Buffalo Bill, you know, they're, they got these Francis Dollarhide. They're like, oh. they've been represented in books. They've they had multiple movies made and t- shows made about each character. It's, it's it's weird. 
that from a crime procedural type movie that those are iconic characters. We remember um, the two crimes. Um, I think one reason why this film stands out and you know, is that it's two murderers. You've got Hannibal Lecter, who's basically the ultimate, what Hollywood thinks serial killers are like. And then you have Buffalo Bill, which is a pretty realistic version of a serial killer. Yeah, you know, he's not a super genius. He's he, just he adopts like the Bundy, the, Bund, the Bundy stuff, right? With yeah, the, uh, con, you know, you know Ed Gain, Kemper, yeah. Bundy. Um, well, Lecter is obviously a more you know a supervillain. It's weird. It's weird that that's the case. Well, I don't know. I'm trying to think of like other. What we've talked someone... about this before: serial killers in like pop culture and movies, and like leading yeah. up to like this point. This was a. This was a big deal. People had never really thought about a man making a woman's suit. That was the big reveal in this movie that mm-hmm. people were shocked. Uh, and it's it's a much the reveal is much later than it is in the book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yep. In the and book, Lecter just comes out and says he wants to, you know, he wants to make a girl suit out of real girls. And it's more explicit too. I mean, it's yeah. one thing yeah. for like Norman Bates to, you know, have a wig yeah. and a dress on. It's another thing for an actual bodysuit to be in show. Like show him making this, show him sewing it together and everything, showing the the crime pictures on the wall and whatnot. Um, now right. you know with movies today, it's Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> well, and like Seven, this is a film that feels far more graphic and gruesome than it actually is because it is so clinical in its violence. Mm-hmm. Um. Um. And we I, we've dropped on the book a couple times. This is pretty pitch. I listen to audio book in prep, prep preparation, but this is pretty damn point to point to point yeah. accurate. They 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 cut out the stuff they they cut out accurate. Like there's some stuff with Clarice and her roommate, and they also they decided to not make Jack Crawford a sympathetic character in this as he is because he's dealing with his wife who has a terminal illness in the book, which they bring into the television show hannibal mm-hmm. uh but they leave completely out here it's not, like all the cuts are efficiency like that which is yeah. which was the same yeah. with like which yeah. was the same with manhunter honestly like right. it just it's the same thing it's just like tightens it up gets yeah. the important stuff makes I mean, this, important is, this is a tight two hour movie even then with well, with, with credits yeah. like, offered here as as a as someone who is using her yeah you know, yeah which, which which and my question is why do you think that jack crawford knew that hannibal lecter would take to her what what about her beyond being attractive is it that hannibal likes because that's what we that's what that's what harris thomas harris gives us yes he starts the, the serial killer frenzy in a lot of ways but it's with a serial killer character who's more like a fictional character because he has this grand sort yes of honor among thieves he's not going to ever bother her or eat her because he respects her i i just like i just like to think that jack crawford had like you know like four other calls he called will he was out he called three other people they're like eh, i don't know about that well, she's so it's someone like, he not not so much sexually but he could groom her as his type of agent and get maybe another will graham out of her for a few years he, till he wears and just, her and out it, and bring another one in and i think it just feels like it could be like a curveball to lector also as far as like, yes you know, yeah. here's I'm going to do this thing again where I bring in a guy, you know, an expert to talk to a killer. Maybe you know, this time around, I can, you know, beyond having someone that I feel is, you know, doing a good job, I can have something that will throw Heck Lecter off and maybe give Plus, him a kind of reaction. Well, because they have no history. He yeah. knows she has adver- uh, adversity in the in her training, and she's hungry and might get something or try harder 
than a male he picks or someone else. He knows like, I also assume that he's tried things already. I think that's part of it too, right? Like, there's, yeah. he gets him enough to know that he'll like her, and it's. I'm just I'm always curious about what it is about her that 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 Hannibal likes. It's that she's genuine, I suppose. Well, I think there's a certain. And you know, as you guys mentioned, I think on a on a level, yeah, in a very patronizing way, the fact that she's an attractive young woman with no history with Lecter and something of a tragic backstory. Her father was killed in the line of duty. You know, that's not the sole reason he sends her in, but it certainly, you know, checks off certain boxes in a way that obviously Will Graham does not. If we had more um, animal, the- interesting, even to reframe the story as Harris did it, he almost is doing a sequel that's almost the same story, but he wants to do it with a female instead of with Will Graham. Again. It very much is that. Yeah. Yes. And, and Clarice will bounce off. And then the extreme is this villain who wants to make, who wants to take over the woman's role so completely that he can just put on a woman's suit and be a woman. Which I think answers the question of whether this movie has, has it out for, for quote unquote transvestites. I think it's clearly this We'll guy. get to that more when we talk about Buffalo Bill, but I guess I know that's a deeper conversation that people have tried to hold on this movie for years gotta be something it's a perfect movie it's gotta be something to say about it well simply i think it's 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 reception from people that like it and those that don't i think it's a matter of what happens when you make empathetic art that's consumed by not so empathetic audiences yeah i and that yeah it's 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 on one hand i don't think the movie's at fault it certainly goes out of its way to tell you know to say that this story is specific these characters are specific they're not representing anyone else on the other hand Part of that, you know, as a consequence of not having a ton of representation for a given demographic, right? Is you are going to have people stupidly, you know, pick one to represent everyone, right? Right. Um, where where right. did where did head in a jar jump scare start? <laughs> Jaws. I mean, Jaws is like the greatest example, but like, was there? Or I'm, I'm, I won't. Obviously, there's ones before that I'd imagine, but like as a pivot point for the movie, it feels like now things are getting extreme. It feels like that's like a. A very fun way to do it, I guess. What if we just had a severed head? Such a it's <laughs> such a creepy place in in American movies to be that locker <laughs> closed for however many years, and Hannibal Lecter's stuff is in there, and there's a head in. I mean, it really feels dank beyond belief. And then you know, the way she worries about whether it falls down, and, and it's not even a jump scare. It's just a here's a head in a jar. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Are there jump scares in this movie? Right, I guess next to the not that I can recall. There's. There's stuff that's like scary, like mm-hmm. like Hannibal leaning up in the car and taking the face off his face. It's like, oh, that's creepy. But like, so they're like actual jump scares. There's moments that feel like a when the a light when the light when the lights it. turn off when she's in the house and then and like that's a, that's a that's a scare. I think because you don't know where Buffalo Bill is at that point. I think it's not a traditional jump scare, but I think the way the scene where he cuffs the police officer and begins his escape uh-huh. is staged oh, in a way. It's sort of a gotcha moment. I mean, you know it's coming, well, but the, the kidnapping kind of ends jumpy. I Punches think. her in the face. Yeah, it's off. It's off. You don't see it though, right? It's off the. Oh yeah, and a totally goofy, ridiculous coincidence. The preacher that he's being forced to watch on that TV kind of looks like Mad Mickelson. <laughs> yeah, hmm. the 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 suit I think is doing it. For yeah. Uh, talking uh-huh. about this lair real quick again because I feel like this is like one of the last times we're going to be in the, this lair aspect of the. Of the movie, um, as far as reviews go, uh, obviously you know it was well liked, but famously not liked by Siskel. Ebert was a new <laughs> classic, but Siskel thumbs down, which Siskel? Ebert held against him. 
Yeah, he's a, he's a thumbs down on this, specifically because he thought the monsters, including Hannibal, were way over the top uh, cliches. Uh, he, he just he did he wasn't into that. Uh, but I, I'm looking at this scene now where it's like you know you have Hannibal and his element in darkness, you know, speaking his lines and everything, and it's like I'm not saying I agree with them, but this is the I think feel like this is like the epitome of what Siskel's trying to point to as far as what he doesn't appreciate about the film. I guess that there is a theatrical element to the murderers in these that don't uh-huh. exist in real life. But man, Siskel, who I liked more at the time, he he doesn't he doesn't age as well. Some of his reviews, unfortunately. Um, I do think there's a I think there's obviously far more theatricality in Lecter and Lecter's violence than Buffalo Bill. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. The obvious example: his escape scene is by far the most you know operatic sequence in the entire picture. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, I also seen and when Hannibal was running and and everything, people were like, "Man, Mads Mikkelsen makes, uh, you know, Hopkins Lecter look like Caesar Romero Joker almost with how different, <laughs> you know, how we've come, like how we used to like take him, like okay, but he's definitely more theatrical uh, with it. But it's a movie, like <laughs> too, you know, right. it's, yeah, it's a it fictional is, character. And when you see a guy deliciously just chewing into this and not, he's not like going campy or over the top. He's mm-hmm. just into this character. Scott, the more I see it now, yes, it really does look like Matt Mickelson on that TV. But also you, <laughs> you pointed this out in your, in your, um, the little retrospective post you put up about Hannibal selling. By the way, we're recording this on near the 30th anniversary of Sounds of the Lambs on the exact day of the 20th anniversary of Hannibal and I believe what the 10 year anniversary of Rising, if I'm not mistaken. 14. 14 mm-hmm. for Rising, of course. And um, in celebration of Clarice now playing on CBS. Yeah. <laughs> Paramount Plus. I am a werewolf. <laughs> But with that said, Scott, something you pointed out, we'll talk, I guess we'll talk about this more when we talk about Hannibal, but the TV series seems like it modeled itself more off of the Han- Hannibal, the movie, as opposed to oh, absolutely. Islands of the Lamb, which is like, all right, yeah. that's a choice. <laughs> um, yeah, and, you know, I, did, I, I was late to Hannibal. I mean, everybody said it was good. I just, I never got around to it. And in a strange way, it, for me, it's almost so campy that I didn't find it particularly scary. That's not a criticism. I found it very entertaining. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, in a, in, a, in a strange way, I, I I think Hopkins' lecture is very scary in this film. Less so in Hannibal, I think. Because um, he's the anti-hero now. Yeah, exactly. Like, he's, he's sort of, he's, he's, a ca- he's a caged tiger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is what's um, so effective about his murder scenes later in this movie. Yes. Because right? like yes. he's, um, you, we've, presumably, you've. I mean, if you're, given that Manhunter was a flop, you're watching this movie and seeing him for the first time for a lot of people, I go. Yes. You get an impression of this guy and what he's about and how he speaks or whatnot. So when you see him finally unleash, it's like, all right, well, that's why he's down in the, the bottom of this <laughs> camp in Baltimore. <laughs> and to the film's credit, he kind of lives up to the hype. Yeah. Well, yeah. he gets away. So, yeah. But I mean, in terms of theatricality of his actions. Yancey, what's up? It's so well-constructed to- by Harris and by Ted Talley, the screenwriter here, just to, the way we're following Buffalo Bill and 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 we're following Hannibal Lecter and Buffalo Bill is the scarier one because Hannibal Lecter is contained and then in the end, all of a sudden, mm-hmm. Hannibal Lecter roars into the A position with this huge mm-hmm. escape scene that the, the sort of like opening the floodgates to, to, to where possibility the thing may go and it's just it's just so marvelous. Uh, this thing, oh. just the novel to the it's just a, you wish every movie was as. <laughs> 
you know, this is I, I wish a lot of movies could be like, let's take like 20 minutes away from the main stuff and just focus on this guy for a while and like, <laughs> effectively pull that off. Yeah. That Tom Petty song is just. Oh, cool. oh yeah. The way this movie American ruins girl. two songs, this and Goodbye Horses, is incredible. What's her name? Brooke, Brooke Smith. Smith. She, by the way, I'm going to plug. She started in an excellent film, <laughs> I think around 2000, called Series 7. Hmm. Um, yes. Still hold up today to play on reality TV. It's wonderful movie. Um, check it out if you can find. I don't know where you'd find. I have a DVD of it, but I don't know where you'd find it. Streaming. Also, the nurse in Interstellar. <laughs> yeah, yes. she's yeah. been game, she's been gamefully employed for thirty years. Yeah, I mean, great. she was yeah. she did uh, she really was on Grey's Anatomy, Grey's Anatomy no. for a few years. My she's on Big Sky right now. If I may, if I may plug for her, she's just unbelievably excellent in the movie Vanya on Forty Second Street that Louis Malle did in the '90s with Julianne Moore. She's just mm-hmm. phenomenal. Criterion put it out on, on Blu-ray. The other she was, Clarice, she, she was up for a few awards, I believe, in that film as well, like any oh. awards. Oh, heartbreaking in that movie, phenomenal. I think the difference is because you don't recognize. I mean, beyond the fact that her character is not as iconic as you know people as larger, large as life as a uh, Buffalo Bill and Hannibal, or what have you, is because she like to play one of uh, Buffalo Bill's potential victims, she had to gain weight. Like that was a mm-hmm. huge thing. And so it like changed the basic look of her beyond before, you know, you get other roles that she's in. And there's a, uh... Lord. We don't, uh-huh. I mean, it's not as though, it's not as though he, you know, didn't have a gainfully employed, <laughs> wasn't gainfully employed or didn't have a great career or what have you. But Ted Levine is terrific in this movie also. Oh, like, yeah. And oh yeah, the amount um, he's able to overcome being typecast by this role. He's actually done enough other movies that you don't have to always, always say, "Hey, it's Buffalo Bill." Well, still- he was on Monk for eight years. Yeah, I think about Stoudemire on yeah. Monk for so long. <laughs> yeah, so he was you know that nice cop on Monk for eight, you know, eight yeah. years. Did he have some, um, isn't there like a, a a myth or or legend about him having like you can't talk about Science of the Lambs in his contract or something like that or like huh. I don't know or somebody had a story some somebody had a story about like the director has told him like, you do not talk to him about Science of the Lambs and like he's just with watched, him uh, uh, um, Shutter Island he's got a few great scenes in there mm-hmm. including one where he's driving Leo DiCaprio around and he leans in and says. If I bit into your eye right now, could you fight me off before I blinded you? That's a great line. <laughs> well, I remember if you read Joyride, which is a very good movie, by the way, where he plays the antagonist, you can listen, because it's mostly an audio role, to the other actors who audition. And there's a number of you know known people. Eric Roberts comes to mind. But he's the only one of the auditions that made the character kind of pathetic. Mm-hmm. Um, and to a certain extent, that's part of what stands out about this particular character is that he's not trying to be, you know, an iconic cinematic supervillain. Um, and again, you know, I, I know I mentioned this before, but in terms of, he's a very realistic serial killer. Yeah. yeah. And that's- he's also scarier for the very obvious reason that if you're a regular person, He's the kind of guy that you might actually run into. Yeah. I imagine most people aren't going to run into a guy like Hannibal Lecter in their day-to-day lives. Right. Uh, but this had, guy, yeah. Ones, ones that aren't serious about it, sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and let's not forget he classed up Too Fast, Too Furious. But both the Fast and Furious, just Fast and Furious. He's not in Too Fast. Oh, he's not in Too Fast? Okay. No, no, no. I thought, he's oh, not in Too Fast. fast. 
He's not used to be. No, they they have the the other cop isn't. There's two cops. There's the black cop who his name I do not know offhand right now. And there's Ted Levine. Ted Levine only appears in Fast, the Fast and the Furious. The black cop shows up for two Fast and Furious. Okay, this is all important. Um, <laughs> gotcha. Shay Wiggum, of course, is in uh, Fast and Furious. Then he shows back up for Fast and Furious Six or Fast Six. Furious Fast Six. <laughs> Get, I'm getting my non Paul Walker cops mixed up. <laughs> <laughs> Ted Levine's all he's all uh, with Paul Walker when Paul Walker's getting stressed out and he starts smoking at that one LA house that's on a cliff that everyone uses in LA when they get movies like that. He's gotcha. like, so he's in the the not two two. Got it. Oh, yes. correct. And <laughs> anyway, this Jack Crawford's getting the, uh, this is that scene where Jack Crawford's like, "You got really pissed at me, huh?" Uh, and I, I just. Again, it's that camera shot, but just the way he looks at her is just very. On well, the way they just back of his head talking to her too. Her that's that's effective too. Yeah. Um. mean he's toying with her, and even now he's trying to be honest with her. He's he's. And he's he's constantly balancing the line between. He's basically, I respect you, but without being patronizing. Right. And you know, through you know, he fails here and there. And that's that's part of the conflict between these two characters that are, you know, on the same side, want the same things, yada yada yada. Um, um and on one hand, he's right. If he had sent her in there saying, Hey, can you catch me help catch me help me catch Buffalo Bill, it wouldn't have worked. Um Where's Scott Glenn at this place? He's coming off what, Red October? He's a character actor. But he's, is, is he like he's, October? He's more straight laced. I'm trying to think is he because he, you know he comes he starts out he's playing greasier guys right, but then he like the right stuff I guess he's in. but even then he's like the jokester in as as a shepherd him and Gordo. Um, but like, what's like he has what um, he's in the keep right he's in the keep. Uh, he's got backdraft this same year. Wow, well, big year for for Scott Glenn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Oh, yeah. He was in the original Man on Fire because he was Creasy in that in yeah. that version. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah he's. So I'm trying to think if this is like a different because you, Scott, your character actor is accurate. I'm just trying to think if he does he play yeah. like straight laced characters like this in other worlds before him. I guess my recollection, he basically plays everybody. Uh, but I do know he was famous enough to get billing above the club title. Yeah, yeah. Because it's it's Jodie Foster, Anthony Hopkins, and then Scott Glenn, then the title. Um, that's just a good agent right there. That's what that is. Yeah. Because, I mean, leading up to this, he's got, I mean, yeah, we hunt for October before that. It's Miss Not subtle. Not a subtle. A lot of TV. Silverado. That's oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's 85. So that's a big enough to him good. still to be a, a concern. Um, well, I feel like the right stuff was like a big one for a lot of those guys. Like that. Yeah. And, Coincidentally, because they were made around the same time, Backdraft has some similarities to this picture. Yeah, there is a <laughs> there is a, a spooky killer out yeah. there starting you know, fires. You know, use an arsonist to catch an arsonist type thing. Oh, and it's him, right? He's the bad guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, after, yeah. Remembering Backdraft as we speak here. <laughs> oh. He did. He's like, I needed the money or some random reason. I forget. <laughs> you jump, I jump. I've, I've seen Backdraft, I think, once in full. Um, and it's, yeah, me too. When it came out, that's it. And it, it, it made it, but it made for a great Universal Studios uh, fire show. So Too hot. Too hot for me. Sorry. That's too fast. Too fast and furious. He's not in that. Too hot. 
Um, is there someone famous it, in this scene? We, we've passed by Romero, I think, already, right? And we haven't got to Chris Isaac yet. There's uh, all the Giants, <laughs> I mean, players sort of throughout. Yeah. Tracy Walter. Right? Tracy Walter. Yeah, we saw Tracy Walter. And the, that old guy who plays the, uh, who, who gives them all the stuff to put under their nose. See, again, it's like, win them. there's just, <laughs> like, everybody's tall. Like it's so, and the, the cameras are so deliberate in what they're doing as far as framing her. Scott, you were talking about um, the way they're presenting Ted Levine is, as Buffalo Bill as far as him being like realistic. That's a Demi thing in general, right? Like his movies yes. are largely about human characters. Yes. Suffice it to say, right? There's, there... And I think that part of what makes this film stand out, you know, not to sound like a broken record, but this film was not remotely concerned about being cool or being hip, or being edgy. Um, it is a human drama. It's her human drama. And as much of an impression as Anthony Hopkins makes, he never remotely picks over the story. Um, and, you know, the, the, her story, especially in terms of, you know, pardon the cliche, her versus the men in the world, you know, one of her biggest personal triumphs is what we just saw right there, where she has to muster up the courage to do something as simple as say, hey, you can't be in this room. Go away. And, and, fellow officer. and that has to be what Jack Crawford sees in it, right? Because yes. we're, seeing, we're seeing a lot of Clarice doing stuff and it's it. She's there's never a, I don't know if I can handle this. It's always a, yeah, I'm going to do it regardless of how qualified yeah. she is to do it. If you were going to narrow down great American blockbusters with a, with a female lead who doesn't feel like a bullshit character but feels real. I mean, this is it. This is such a on, you know, she's such a real woman in this movie, and her and her, the way she wins is so. I don't know. It, it it doesn't feel contrived. It feels, you know, my number one guy. Is Thelma okay. the Louise oh. the year before, or is it this year? Like months later. Same year. So it's the same same Oscar year too. Right? Yes. So she beats both Sarandon and Davis for for the Oscar. Well, yes. The female lead roles there ever was in in a Hollywood movie is I mean, like think think about what she how she commands this movie. A new movie coming out this Friday. Uh, the, 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 the Mauritanian. Yes, I, I let you mispronounce it. <laughs> um, and, you know, it's, it's, it is what it is, but she's terrific in it. And it's just, the run from this movie, from The Accused, which she won her first Oscar, which then was followed up by this, where she won her second Oscar, which is not something that happens very often. Uh, yeah, you know, she had a, she had a run from here to like contact in '97 that was just Jesus, <laughs> Summersby, Maverick, Contact, no. um, yeah, Nell, um, and yeah, just it's 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 one of the great streaks of any modern actor in the last thirty years. It's a reli- it's a re- like the same with like there was what that Meryl Streep period from like what the the mid yeah. lots to the mid tens, yeah. Like that, like that. Judy Foster seemed to have, and she was, you know, she's older at that point. Judy yeah. Foster seemed to have that as far as like, you know, female stars, A-list stars go, without being like a blockbuster star, just someone that's just like a reliable actor that can, you know, in a mid-budget movie that can work. Yeah. Um, very smart about the roles that she took. I, I saw Taxi Driver recently. I saw her movie Foxes for the first time. I was not at all surprised that the role she plays is not exploitive at all. It's 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 a thoughtful role. You can see why she's in it, and she'd always recorded interesting interesting roles you know it's sort of the peak of it i guess 
You, um, men- you mentioned uh, Pfeiffer, who turned down the role uh, for the film. She worked with Demi on Married to the Mob. Hey, Mambo. Mm-hmm. Um, we should just insert that more into things, honestly. Goodbye Horses worked on that film, too, with him. <laughs> uh, but she said no because it was too dark. Uh, Meg Ryan was offered the role. She turned it down because it was also too dark. Uh, Laura Dern was up for it, but she wasn't considered bankable enough for the lead role. And uh, Kidman auditioned, as far as people considered for... Uh, Clarice before you um, Jody Foster got in there. Who apparently what who apparently wanted to, to, to uh, take the rights for herself and then Gene Hackman already had them at the time, so she couldn't. Yeah. And you know, the first and I remember when this film came out reading the press is that you know, the first conversation she had with Jonathan Demi was like, you know, my main concern is that I, you know, I don't want to make a movie that glorifies violence against women. And Jonathan Demi said, Yeah, that's my concern too. And you can feel that. You can feel the effort not to do that in every frame of this picture. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. You know, there's there's sure. nothing. You know, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, you're saying you're right. That that's why it's you know. That, I think that's why it's the movie. It is is because because of those, the, those that concern being applied so heavily. The sound effect um, of that camera is like is. Yes, it's, it's distinct as like the flash bulbs in um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre to me. Just like the way it sounds, it's very clinical but also it's like that's just it's it's weirdly unnerving obviously you're watching an autopsy slash body discovery sequence but still it's just the way they're you know handling things business as usual but having these intense tools that make various distinct noises very much sticks out all these little details just really factor in (laughs) watching this movie we just pass what's basically my favorite dialogue exchange in the film where she basically you know he basically says you know he basically, you know, he basically explains why he basically patronized her to get them out. She basically says, look, you are a person of authority. They see how you act, and that's how they end. Yeah. And then he takes the point, but then he goes back to sleep. And I think there's a certain, there, there's a clear pattern in this picture where he's sort of just going through the motions, you know, doing the job, obviously, but he's sort of not sweating it. And she, of course, is, you know, always on, always, you know, it, visually alert so that everybody that sees her knows that she's on the job because she cannot afford to be seen as slacking. And this is the only scene in the movie right here where she really has any fun. Yeah. Well, it's, it's also the only scene in the film where a guy hits on her and it's not threatening. It's it's so it it's so comfortable this scene despite the fact yeah. that she's never met these guys before, which is yeah. interesting to be like it, a different movie. This would be like her regular pals that she goes to, right? Yeah, like yeah. In, like in the Hannibal show, which is what it becomes. Like there's stuff like right. that. There's like other yeah. characters that they can constantly have a little bit more fun with or whatnot. It's also, like in, how do you how do you play bug chess? That just seems difficult to me. Like would they don't they be moving like as they were? He's the only <laughs> interest in her that she seems to reciprocate, except maybe Hannibal Lecter to an extent, but. This goofy guy at the moth place asks her for a cheeseburger and she wants to go. More than an extent, Yancey. They made a whole movie about Hannibal. (laughs) (laughs) Um, What a weird, because he's he's got cross eyes, so he's not, you know, it's... it's... He's also a Jonathan Demi stock guy. Yeah. Yeah. But but it's a fun little, it's a strange little moment, you know? And he's looking right at you, too, and his eyes aren't even... (laughs) Um, And I think part of that is, you know, whether she's interested in him or not, she's certainly not threatened by him she's not he's not in a position to do her harm professionally or otherwise and he's you know um, honest yeah he's got a he's not, he's, 
her, her life harder by now. He's got a timid confidence about himself. Yes, that's exactly. He is, the, he's, he's not imposing. They're, they're in their element, so that helps. Yeah. And, and she's obviously curious enough to be in this position to all want to dissect this book. It's weird that the the most eccentric thing about Buffalo Bill is not like the you know inner conflict in his mind about what what they are choosing to want to be as a person, but the fact that they have a collection of bugs that he wants to they want to stuff down so their victims throats. Yeah. It's like that's such a that's such a because it's like that's not just this is my deal and what I'm doing in my basement. This is I'm trying to communicate a complicated message by secretly inserting something inside the throat of one of my victims in order for you to get the metaphor that I'm achieving here. That's a weird thing to add to this character that's otherwise pretty right. human. <laughs> anyway, there he is. There's like a Nazi thing somewhere in here too, right? Just well, like- yeah, I, did, I was going to wait till later, but like with all the talk about, you know, the, the whether this film is or isn't transphobic, yada, yada, yada. Even when I was a kid, to me, the, you know, the guy's got Nazi flags in his house. That's clearly more of an indicator of his violent nature than whatever his gender issues are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's an all offensive, all, you know, take, all takers, you know, Nazis, whatever. Here's a uh, now director Cassie Lemons in one of her character roles from the nineties. Yep. This is like Candyman. He's like oh, she's, she, had, she had a resume going on here for for horror movies as side characters. <laughs> are the are the cleft lip people upset about Red Dragon? No, to this day, are they represented bad. There, like I don't know. Like some of the things, like bad rep. Like if we're gonna play everybody is everything, can like a, can a trans person not ever be a killer in a movie? Can a you know, woman not ever be like, is that when you make them it like one time, is it bad for like, it's just, and like I said, with Scott's lack of representation, yes, it comes into play, but like, is there a line we draw that we, they can't be those things because they surely can be them in real life. Um, I mean, the, the the way about adult movies and missing adult movies, a movie like this can operate on a level where it's answering its own. Obviously it doesn't have that agenda to be, to be saying at all. Obviously, if you're watching this movie for what it's worth, your argument doesn't have any real. And it continually tells you that it's not going yeah. after that. Like it, it, and I when I watched it this last time, I was like, "Yeah, it's saying that." The book says that too. The book clearly, Hannibal Lecter said, "No, he's not. He may he may think he is at times, but he's he's not. He's doing this other thing." About, about the cleft the cleft lip, because I was thinking about that. Too. Harris does that. He generally has. The killer characters have some kind of physical deformity because doesn't Harold mm-hmm. Lucker have like a backwards thumb or something in the yeah the novel and and James Gum just didn't get the S on his on his birth certificates. They all these weird sort of signifiers that make them sort of obvious sore thumbs, mm-hmm. which would technically be seen as 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 well. That's terrible. You can't say that you can look at somebody and tell they're a serial killer, but that's yeah. not what he's really saying. Part right. of it, part of it, does come down to like the treatment of villains that fall into the LB, lgbtq like spectrum and how they're been treated where like this movie is not the one that's necessarily propagating some kind of agenda or what have you but you have other movies in the past that aren't really good at this thing yeah you know, it's, it in it's, a way it's, that's more obvious like for whatever yeah, reason my this mind isn't is dressed to kill yeah or, or um what <laughs> like, cruising i mean like there's yeah. you know this is you know this is the, the fact you have to if you're watching this movie you have to take for granted that that in the in this case, the guy who's trying to steal the woman's skin and act like a woman is doing something negative that is not related to any kind. Of, he, he's he's trying to he, he's he, he's transvestite in the worst possible way. You know, he's he's trying to he, he's trying he, he's 
when you think the worst thing you might think about men trying to take over women, the role of women by, by this sort of thing, that's what Buffalo Bill is doing. You know, he's literally trying to become a better woman. Um, After all this, Demi goes and makes Philadelphia. So, I mean, it's like... There's, well, there's he obviously... The, the criticism is dumb. And I think he, he understood where they were coming from. Um, again, for me, again, you know, as a kid, it's, you know, the movie comes out and says he's not transgender. The movie comes out and says he's not killing because of his gender issues. That's just, you know... And, you know, in the film's finale, he's he's living in a place that's covered with Confederate Nazi propaganda. It's, it's all the more interesting that like this movie's facing that faced that sort in faces, I guess that sort of controversy. And then the Hannibal, the series, which is well loved by people of this generation yeah. is a film. That's very much about uh, two men that have a lot of sexual tension between each other. And like that's yeah. played up as a very big positive for the show. Um, they didn't get to Buffalo bill on that show. So we don't know if they yeah. would have turned on it. It's an on CB on PB on Paramount Plus. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to define. How does a movie set its terms where you know that it is not looking to offend? It's filmmaking. Well, it comes down to filmmaking. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it's, it's not. It's, you can't set it in stone. You can only say you have to be smart and watching it with your open eyes to know that it's not offending. It's always really, who wants to, there were there were protests before this movie was released in the weeks before about from from, from people who are upset about that based on i'm sure the book's portrayal but it's and like, that's yeah that's not a new thing either as far as like people being aware of certain, like that that goes back to what like temptation of christ or life of bride just the fact that it exists to begin with beyond what the con what it what's within the content um it's a real question for right now in in in, in hollywood how does in art how does a movie operate like this without coming right out and saying we mean well how does a movie just operate smartly enough that it doesn't hold up to that it holds up to scrutiny when someone wants to be offended. I think you make the movie you make, you take your slings and arrows. Yeah. 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 At the end of the day, whether, you know, whether those who feel that their life was harder as a result of the art you make are correct to blame your art versus the interpretation of the art, you know, at the end of the day, you take it, you say, you know, I'll try to do better next time and move on. Yeah. I think that's oh. enough for now of four cis straight men talking about the nature of transgender politics in this film. And we can talk about some other things before we get back to it probably later on as we get more Buffalo Bill stuff. Uh, we are getting another big meaty Hannibal scene um, with her, him and Clarice right now as they, as he messes with her basically, which is just always doing for a lot of this thing. But before we get more to the story, I'll just point out some of the other alternates that we had for Hannibal. We had a lot last time. Um, this time we had uh, where is my list here? Many people. Uh, Connery was who Demi wanted for the role. Um, mm. he, he turned it down. Uh, and then the others that were considered, we have Al Pacino, Robert De Niro, Dustin Hoffman. I can, I can see where that ass comes from. It's like, yeah, we can see uh, Daniel yeah. Day Lewis, uh, Derek <laughs> Jacoby, which I find fascinating. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, there's yeah, we've been going. Uh, John Hurt, which I can see that ass because oh, Dem- Demi-, yeah. Demi cast Anthony Hopkins because of Elephant Man. So I'm like, what if I got uh, the Elephant yeah. Man to be in here also? Oh, um, elector. oh I'd love to see that audition, Dave. Uh, Christopher Lloyd, uh, which would have been oh. a nice, like, you know, let me change up my my uh, what my audience or my, my my look is here after doing multiple Robert Zemeckis movies. Um, Patrick Stewart. Uh, Lou Gossett Jr., which I found fascinating. Ooh. 
Jack Nicholson, of course, Robert Duvall, of course, and Jeremy Irons, who turned it down because he just did um, Reversal yeah. of Fortune. He feel like right. The nice mix of who was popular versus typecasting versus a bit different. Yeah, the, Lewis Gossett Jr. was like, yeah, right. Oh, yeah. Let's <laughs> see what that is. What had Hopkins been doing? Before? And this Hopkins, he's uh, Hopkins is still well. He's doing theater stuff for like for the most. Yeah. Like, he has movies, but like theater is still like his main thing. I think during like the eighties, especially so the vast majority of the movie going populace. This was their first real exposure to Anthony Hopkins. Mm-hmm. So as a result, they were able to take Lecter just as is without any prior baggage from the, from his previous roles. Similar to like, um, what's it? Uh, Alan Rickman. where like, yes. Hard, like is the first thing many people have seen Alan Rickman in and became a pretty standard, like, Oh yeah, yeah that's him. All right. Um, or like, I don't know, Gabriel Byrne. <laughs> and like, the, like there's a lot of like guys that came out in the nineties that have been doing stuff for like a long time, which just yeah. kind of didn't really catch on with anything. They're like old, like Ian McKellen's another one where it's like, he didn't really, you know, he was pretty old when he right. started becoming very popular and things. It was like at pupil and then boom, here's Ian McKellen. <laughs> like, you know, like what, Richard the Third. Yeah, pupil. Richard the Third. He got an Oscar nomination. Oh, for, that's I right. That's yeah. right. But even then, uh, same with like, then, Bra- like Brana. Brana was, you know, he was doing obviously yeah. a lot of it, and then he became like what Henry the Henry the the uh, the fifth. He was always around because the Shakespeare stuff. Yeah, but like as far as people uh, like seeing him in like stuff. Oh yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Gabriel Byrne was like, oh, you got a demonic movie? Bring him in. <laughs> <laughs> he could do it well yeah he had a couple dabbles in crime obviously with miller's crossing and usual suspects and he's like but yeah yeah give me the give me the demonic stuff <laughs> like, you know where i first really noticed gabriel Bryan? disney shipwrecked okay well, he's, okay well he's the bad guy in that and it's it's a wonderfully happy disney bad guy performance hmm. um we're in the buffalo bill scene where he's putting with the lotion on the skin whatnot. hey buffalo bill i like how theatrical he makes this well c- compared to like how he generally acts with himself now he's he puts on yeah. like a bit of an accent and then but then when she doesn't like do what he's asking he gets super angry oh, yeah. starts, like just drops the whole the whole shtick that he's trying to do here this is a pretty creepy scene. i mean obviously it's creepy there's a woman in a mm. hole being threatened with lotion and dogs nails but, um, but yeah the nail in the in the wall just indicating, like, yeah, you know, there's, there's, there's been a lot of these. <laughs> By the way, you talk about um, this is so like interesting. Um, you're talking about tall people being kept. Brooke Smith's a really tall person. She's always like my height. I've been around her in person before, and like, yeah, she's very. That makes tall. sense because Buffalo Bill needs big, large people for his yeah. suit. Because but Ted Levine's a big guy too. So. You can Anthony, see. How- is about having to uh, how hard it is for Buffalo Bill to fight the fact that she's a person. Mm-hmm. Bring up later, he's fighting it hard in that scene. Like he, she, it affects him. It affects him that she's so upset. Yeah, and he's trying to force himself to get through with it, which is interesting. Demi choice instead of making him totally sinister, make it seem like maybe you could appeal to him. Oh yeah, I mean you get. The, I mean again, the close-ups and the the shots to camera that those are so important to this film because yet yeah, you get that. That's that's why Levine's so good at this too. Like you can't give all the Oscars to everybody, but at the same time, he's like he is just as compelling watching him in all of these scenes. Yeah, it's not, it's not exactly right yet. He's not just like a sinister monster, a madman that can't be stopped. He's a guy where you look into his eyes and he's like, there is a sad person here who's dealing with a ton of stuff. He's doing it in all the wrong ways. And he's very evil, but still, he's you can clearly see that in the face. 
and the shots that you get, especially later on in the movie, like when when you have when when you see his mind turning is um Clarice is asking him questions and whatnot and trying to Oh it's so that's that part's so interesting here the way he plays it. Like it's oh child or chil chil Chilton. 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 Just the, the all the stuff he's doing. Like that's such a wonder it's gonna be such a good payoff. Roger that we don't even actually get, but it's just fun to see. Herbert Walker <laughs> Also a Demi regular, Roger Corman. Mm-hmm. Paul Credler. That's a guy who wrote Philadelphia. Well, because yeah. Demi's Demi's from the Corman school, right? He's from, he's one of the yeah. one of his old old guys. Sorry. What was the cameo Corman had where he was in a phone booth talking and they the made Howl. him like huh? The Howl. The Howl, where they made him yeah. look for change because he's cheap he or whatever. In, those. After somebody else and checks it. He yeah. Oh, that's right. Can he check to see if he oh, it's so good. How long is he in this mask? Because it became so iconic. So I uh, yeah. Th- this. Oh, this is great. By the way, Charles Napier, another Demi uh, regular. Charles, uh, uh, you ain't got no future, Jack Napier. Exactly. He <laughs> he's also incredibly polite. Like he's the one guy like you feel really bad for when he gets you know murdered by Lecter mm-hmm. later on because he's like he was such a he he did nothing but be a good cop in this situation that he's in here. Wasn't he just in a movie we recently did for a commentary too? I'm sure. I mean, Charles Napier has done a lot of stuff. <laughs> I so know, I'm but surprised. I feel like, I feel like he just popped up in a commentary. It was, it had to be November. The the foreshadowing of the missing Ben is probably the closest movie. I would argue the closest movie comes to almost him. It's the idea that, you know, he realizes his Ben's missing. Yeah. He gives him another one. And then the camera just goes, Still, it's all visual. Like, yeah. I mean, beyond calling oh, it yeah. out, like it doesn't for a movie like this that's not reliant, like we as we've established, not reliant on a very spe- distinct style, or at least you know convincing you that it's not. That's it does a great job of giving you the you know rule of three basically as far as setting up what this thing is that's going to be important. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm thinking. It might have been easier for her just to go to him. <laughs> yeah. Who plays the senator? I do not remember. Let's see if it says on Carol Baker. What is her name? Carol Baker? No, that's not Carol Baker. It's somebody. Diane Baker. You're close. Diane Baker. What else was she in? Like 1990s Cherry Jones. <laughs> yeah. Well, my thought is because Cherry Jones has this too. They very much look like politicians. Like it's a very, yeah. it's a, a well cast role. <laughs> like it's like, yeah, that looks like a, a believable senator that would be in office right now. Seems like a big character actress because there's like a ton of credits here, but there's nothing like distinct. Mm-hmm. I think she was like sort of like dishy roles in the 60s, kind of. Yeah, a lot of 60s stuff, I see. And that's I think that's Ron Vacher who wrote Philadelphia. That guy is with her, hmm. the actor who wrote the script for Demi's next movie. You know, it's funny. The same year was uh, De Niro as a pretty notable yeah. killer in Cape, Cape Fear, Fear. Mm-hmm. and that was pretty iconic for a good stint of time, getting parodied and and mm-hmm. notable. But Hannibal, talk about two great thrillers in one year. Though. Yeah. Well, I think you started seeing in the late 80s, early 90s, sort of the resurgence of big, splashy thrillers for adults. Yeah. 
you know, uh, starting maybe with, I don't know, Jagged Edge in 1987. Um, sea of Love in, in 89 with Al Pacino and Ellen Bernstein. We've, we talked about and, this in our horror episodes before as yeah. far as, like, the 90s. Like, not that it was necessarily a dearth of horror, but there was just a yeah. weird maturity going on where, like, Brandon Eves said, like, the slashers were kind of dying out, essentially. Yeah, like, 89, yeah. they all bombed at the box office, and then, like, I mean, they were still making the stuff, but it wasn't, it was just, like, felt like it was dying, but... Um, there's a lot of really good, interesting adult stuff bet- between, you know, that and Scream. Um, and you also get entries like Candyman in there. Um, there's good quality stuff. It's just not loaded with quality. There's a lot of subpar stuff coming out in the same time or stuff that just didn't connect with audiences like Wes Craven's New Nightmare at the and time. I, I guess it's very much a, you know, Freddy Krueger movie in the shadow of Silence of the Lambs. Right. And I guess you're looking um, at like filmmakers that, you know, we look at filmmakers now and they're making stuff based off the stuff they saw in like the nineties, given like the, you know, the, and now you're looking at filmmakers at the nineties, they're making stuff that's based off the seventies, which are, you know, before the slashers, the seventies stuff is a lot of experimental things, but things that are still character driven or book adaptations or what have you. So there's, it's like horror that applies for adults as far as looking for something that has some meat on top of it. So I can, I can see why that would, you know, be coming out in that time period. In addition to like the yeah you know the child's plays and the one Friday movie and whatever. Yeah, I mean, it was yeah because your genre entries in the night. I mean, they were killing them off. There's Freddy's Dead, Jason Goes to Hell, <laughs> um, and it was all things were going like Halloween Six came out, and it was if if it wasn't for Jamie Lee Curtis, it was going straight to video for its next entry. Um, but yeah, you got Leatherface that barely screened for anybody. Jeez. Uh, but meanwhile, you got Silence of the Lambs, Copycat 7, all that stuff doing very well, going for more some supernatural adult. We can throw thrillers. Ricochet in there, Scott's favorite. <laughs> Ricochet. Yeah. Yep. It's gruesome and violent as a stereotypical slasher picture. Yeah. That's like um, mentioning. Yeah, it. it's, it's the cobra and, of its day. And, and it has the other John, Hannibal Lecter, John the Yes. The, all, <laughs> the Elseworlds Hannibal Lecter, John Lithgow. Yes. <laughs> I like how classy um, this prison is. Like they, they've like yes. set up this cage for him in the middle of this what almost looks like an yeah. exhibit, basically. Yeah. It's ridiculous in terms of practicality, but it looks great, so who cares? And it also it further establishes like this cage tiger thing you mentioned earlier, as far as yes. this guy is capable of things and we need to be prepared for it. And even have like the cop outside, he asked, you know, it's like I heard he's like a vampire. Like they don't know, like there's clearly, <laughs> you know, just the presentation of the, it's weird because we're looking at Anthony Hopkins and he's been around for you know decades now and he's played a variety of things, but watching him here, he's just chilling still, just with oh, the, yeah. way, the way he looks at her, the way he holds his body and everything is, and just I mean, obviously we know what's coming. <laughs> if but. you if you book in the decade, he's Hannibal Lecter here and the original Zorro. He goes from like scariest dude alive to all oh, aged hero. Yeah. And, well, I think something about Mexican. Well, I think something about Anthony the opposite that always stood out to me is that he is known as a very serious and prestigious actor who, in my opinion, frankly, is at his best in sort of unapologetic pulp fiction, like Zorro, like Thor, like Bram Stoker's Dracula. <laughs> yeah, 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 he's certainly at home. Scott, what you're uh, saying is like he's a Donald Pleasance or a Peter Cushing. Yes. Or, yeah, yeah. yeah he's a, he's yeah. a Donald Pleasant with an Oscar. Yeah. Um, and frankly, I think Scarlett Johansson is the same way. She was somebody that came onto the scene as sort of a 
very serious, prestigious actress. But really, I think you know she is at her best and most comfortable in high quality schlock. Um, and that's that's not a talent everybody has. Yeah, the air. Dane DeHaan. Yeah, with, <laughs> the air of prestige that comes with these actors that you think have a certain kind of understanding of what you're getting when you see on screen. Yeah. And then he's in like most of Transformers the last night <laughs> <laughs> having a ball. Yeah. I was going to say, uh, some of the other horror in this set, we had the resurgence of the adult uh, classic monsters with, you know, yes. Yes. Dracula, Wolf. Um, Mary and, Shelley's Frankenstein. And you got stuff like Species and coming out. Mary Riley. Mary Riley. <laughs> yeah. you, can't, you can't say you, you have to whisper it or else it doesn't count. <laughs> the Relic, yeah. Walk is off, though, because you have to Jurassic Park there where he's, hey, we can afford to make these big monster movies now. Let's go have fun. And then almost none of them made money. <laughs> well, you know what they say, Scott. Scott, size does matter. I think that's how yes. it is. Uh, although I, I will defend the relic unto death. Oh, the, like the relic's the awesome. That's on, our oh, yeah. list. that's on our list. of like, <laughs> you know, when, when we don't have a theme intact, that's our yeah. go-to list of things to talk about eventually for commentaries. Here's um, a <laughs> shot right here. <laughs> Just this intense close-up, looking down, the shadow on his brow and everything. Because now we're getting the whole Ams story. You have, to, you have to at least consider the fact that it was meant to be seen on this giant screen in a dark room with a bunch mm -hmm. of strings. Exactly. Oh, yeah. I, mean, I, I watched this on a laptop right now, but the last time we watched it, it was on the giant TV. Mm -hmm. And yeah. it was, by default, the biggest TV I'd ever seen the film on. It was striking how big the close-ups felt. And it's because you know a different director or a you know I don't know a CBS TV series would probably actually just show a flashback to the scene, but instead it's just all dialogue, and you're just mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. it's it's becoming chilling because you're watching this intense close-up of this murderer uh, being you know juxtaposed with the story that's taking place here. And you know, <laughs> at the at the risk of stating the obvious, Jodie Foster is spectacular here. Oh, fantastic! Um, through the entire movie, and it was oh, yeah. such a delight that she won an Oscar too. Well, it zooms so much in this scene that there's no longer glass between them. Yeah. yeah. Like it started where you could see the kind of bed the bars. And, now, and yeah. now it's just. It's just them two. Yeah. Who, who learned from this scene they clearly, they did this later when uh, Dead Man Walking with Scar uh, Sarandon, Sarandon and Ron. Yes. And like Sean Penn. I have another terrific picture. Another Bruce what Springsteen joint. <laughs> Great movie, Dead Man Walking. It deserves to be. It, it's so. It's. Not necessarily funny because it deserves it, but the fact that there's three movies in Oscar history that won the big five picture, director, actor, actress, and screenplay. It's that it's one of them is this movie. You have it happened one night and uh, Cuckoo's Nest and, you know, the grisly horror movie. <laughs> They're the ones that did it. Um, movie's undeniable. You cannot deny this movie. Yeah, but it, it, Clearly, that's how Oscar it's, felt. It's, it's a horror film. It came out in February for yeah, the sense. That's the other thing. It's All crazy. Right. It came out to last a year. Dang power. Yeah. Like, imagine that. Imagine that. A movie yeah. comes out in February and wins all of the, you know, the big prizes at the Oscars a year later. Yeah. Like, did this come out before the, the most recent Oscar? Like, did it come out before the Oscars that were airing that time? Uh, I believe, yes. Because back then it was like 
late February was when the nominations came out. Yeah. So or nineteen ninety. That's a, that's so, insane. Yeah. That's insane that yeah. I carried that far. There was that one year I got a little excited too early. The Oscars with Grand Budapest Hotel started winning all the early ones, and that was a February. I think that was a February release, wasn't it? No, it was. Uh, that was <laughs> that was more April. Was it? Wait, what movie? It was, it was way Grand- early in the year. It was a, and, for, and, for for Oscar now. Yes, it was. Compared. And it started winning Grand, a bunch Grand Budapest of the Hotel. Awards, I was like. That. I was like, oh, oh is yeah, this yeah. going to do something? And then, no, no. Yeah, it was March, April. Yeah. You could say the same for Mad Max, you know, a big yes. summer release from May right. that won, like, what, six Oscars before? Yeah. Before it's like, okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, Gladiator, Gladiator was a summer release. And that, yeah, that was, the, up, that was yeah. the, the big opening May or Memorial Day movie, right? No, that was the that early was the, May. The opening, it was the early May movie. That was the kickoff one. It was my birthday movie. Yes. Memorial Day weekend that year was the Timeless Classic of Mission Impossible 2. Mm. Ah, of course yeah 2000 what am i talking about same year supernova um i mean this is like the because this is the last time they're together so this is beyond yes phone call so it is like it plays like the culmination of the relationship they formed and talking about the i mean this is why he becomes the best actor right because he because this leads to him just getting his own segment of the film for a little bit yes because i'm thinking of like people that won supporting oscars and the best I can think of is like the Joker or the and with Dark Knight, where Heath Ledger's he's not he's not he's in it less than you think, but he is laced about you know throughout the movie. Yeah, and and it his was, presence looms over it. It like, does incredibly. Yet, yet he was still you know a support. I mean that's Oscar politics or whatever, but he was still a supporting actor winner. Where oh. you, could, you could probably take the screen time of both and match them up for this movie and that. Well, movie remember what oh, what's his name? Uh, uh, Slumdog Millionaire. Dev Patel, was, yes, and he was up for best supporting mm-hmm. for the camp. Like he was the Slumdog Millionaire. <laughs> he well, Jeffrey Rush has a lot less screen time than Noah Taylor in Shine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jeffrey Rush won the Oscar that year. Um, and you know, uh, uh, William H Macy has like two minutes more screen time than Frances McDormand in Fargo. She won Best Actress. She was nominated for Best Supporting Actor. I mean, she comes in, you know, a half hour into the movie. Yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, takes it over the movie at that yeah. point. Um, but as far as this, I mean, it was a little controversial back in the day, the idea that he I was up for Best Actor. You know, I've always joked that I can't imagine how pissed Nick Nolte is because you know, his two best chances to win an Oscar, you know, it was this. Yeah, and then, you know, Roberto Benigni in 1999. I remember there was a shot at the Oscars after... Hopkins one of Warren Beatty and consoling Nick Nolte. Both of them had given great performances that year. Yeah. Bugsy and Prince of Ties. At the same time, it's hard to deny. You know, it's a really, st- it's a strong yeah. year for actor. I've looked at this year. Cause it's, yeah. Cause I, I was, cause I watched what I watched the doors last year for the first time. And I was like, how did Val Kilmer? I'm like, well, no, it was a pretty strong lineup. I know. I get it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> the best pictures of Bugsy, which is great. It was up against this. What else was this? Bugsy was like the Oscar favorite too, right? Yeah. Like, Everybody thought like, that was going to win. Like Barry Levinson. Um, Beatty, they made a big epic gangster film. And I love Bugs. I think Bugsy's great. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Beauty and the Beast was the first animated film to be nominated for best picture that year. Right. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Okay. Strong year then. It's a wild year as far as the best picture lineup. <laughs> yeah, an animated film in the top five and a horror movie, and the horror movie wins. <laughs> Stry- you have Streisand making a movie. Like you had a lot, a lot of diversity going on. But in it always makes you wonder if they ever they they don't re- ever reveal final tallies, do they? No, no. That, that would be interesting to to just see. Oh, like oh, they lost. They they won by votes because these two probably canceled and yeah. Out. Well. Or one by I, two votes? I, I had always said that if he had 
he got paid for as a supporting actor. He probably would have gotten 99% of the votes that year. Yeah. This here, this, well, this, this supporting this actor is, though, right here. This is why Charles Napier gets my sympathy because he doesn't want to put the food on the on the, on the painting. Yeah, he has so yeah. much respect for this guy who he doesn't need to respect, but he's like, let me. I want to nicely fold these things. I don't want to disturb your thing that you have going here. I and that's you. literally what kills him. I love that there's a Bon Appetit menu right there too. Yeah, yeah. That's very clever. Lecter knows that too because I think yeah. he's using his decency against him at that point. As yeah, far as he knows that he will not oh, try man. to do that. That's how smart Lecter is. And also, this is gonna suck. This is the this is the culmination of the close up shots too when he has that that bite to the camera. Yeah, <laughs> it's wonderful. <laughs> it's it's weird. Like, I also had a scene where a woman, well, a person has their cheek bitten off. Mm-hmm. Well, Hannibal that was Rising, all the rage. Hannibal Rising explores the cheeks being bitten thing. <laughs> Surprised they haven't made some sort of iteration of the Joker with that as his. Oh, I'm sure. Uh, some, I'm sure there's some fake yeah, there's somewhere. Some... There's been plenty of comic books where he was sort of, you know, playing the Adam Electric character. Yeah. Um, some very good ones, frankly. That's that's especially because of the when they introduced like the Harley Quinn dynamic to have a psychiatrist yeah. and everything. Like Yeah. It's not not acknowledging it in some way. Yeah. Classic mm. piano continues. <laughs> The, like there's a coldness to the way he strikes too as far like yes it's just the way he's just doing it because he knows what he can do it's very efficient mm-hmm. he, can, he can take his time and everything shame he let the food go to waste that looked good it's a, yeah i was gonna say it's a nice looking <laughs> meal <laughs> well-rounded meat vegetable meat, yeah those and vegetables it's got a nice little rug to meet the sound Also, Napier's a big guy. Like, so, so it's, yeah. I just, it's neat to think of all the different things he had to plan for in his head about how to go about doing this. It just is very, you know, for a segment of the movie like this, it's really creative how, like, how many things he has to, like, make sure go the way they need to. Yet, it, yet like, while it's calculating, it doesn't feel like cliched. Like, there's a, there's a level of plausibility to the thing. Yeah, yeah. It, um, this if for no other reason that mm-hmm. theoretically, once he disables those two guards, he can he's alone for a while. So he doesn't have to rush. The uh, sergeant's mustache is iconic. Yeah. Yes, it is. It's like it's it's so thin, but it goes so far. <laughs> like, how does he do that? Yeah, like if he was like on a break from being in like Tombstone or Wyatt Earp, like I'd They're all terrified, which is a, a great yeah. to all of this. Like they're they are they not excited. You can see terrified. a sweat. They 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 have uh, vests on. They are they are not happy about any of this right now. They do not I want to deal with to it. protect their face. There's six of these guys, and they're like, no, this, this is bad news. <laughs> <laughs> you tell me the vampire escaped. Who else is on duty right now? I don't want to be involved. This. <laughs> this is the second scene that young Aaron did not understand as a child. Uh, as far as what is he hanging with? Like, what is all that? The, the concept of intestines didn't occur to me when I was six years old watching <laughs> this movie. He stuck it together with a loogie, Aaron. <laughs> Context, Aaron. Context. <laughs> Wonderful display. Oh, yeah. It's a solid nine. 
the thing that stuck with me the most about watching this the first time was definitely this sequence as far as um Hannibal being this clever to like put the face yeah. of the person on him because mm-hmm. <laughs> it's so wild it is like yeah. like when do you see have you seen this in a movie at this beyond like you know Leatherface obviously like yeah. I mean is there like a, a an adult drama that really goes to this you know length at this point regular Americans had not heard of face face on your face before this movie I don't think yeah <laughs> Yeah, that stuff. No, this is a kind of very macabre, ghoulish horror that was not normal for quote unquote adult prestigious pictures. Right. Certainly not since you know, the Omen and the Exorcist. Um, it's something that Brandon had mentioned earlier is that this was, you know, to the extent that Halloween kicked off a decade where horror movies were for quote unquote for kids. You have a slasher boom. This sort of put a, a temporary end to the slasher boom. And of course, you started seeing polished, prestigious, big studio horror movies for adults. Mm-hmm. Still screen. And they started accepting a little more graphic violence. Yes. To their things. Just like nowadays, I mean, people started watching something like The Walking Dead and seeing that graphic violence, and now they're okay with more. They watch Game of Thrones. That has more... They you know, watch they, Gotham, they, which is ridiculous. But yeah. they won't watch, they, they won't watch straight horror movies because they're too gory and gross. Yeah. Like, if you, what are you, look what else you're watching. And then the stuff that Hannibal pulls off oh on regular yeah. NBC yeah. is astounding. Like, yeah. got, got, got three it, seasons is astounding. They got yeah. three seasons and continue to do that, and then they started pushing the envelope sexually, and it was just like it was incredible. Like, I can't believe it. Good luck, CBS. Um, <laughs> on Paramount Mountain, um, anything goes, Brandon. <laughs> yes. Um, what's that guy's name? The Lord of Illusions? Uh, he's on Seinfeld. Yeah, yeah, the actor. Yeah, he, um, somebody. Oh, yeah, yeah. He died, too, right? Um, lost some toes first, I think. Suicide attempt. George's boss on Seinfeld. He, yeah. Yeah. The family. Would uh, you come in and I'm asking a question I don't know the answer to? Would you consider Lord of Illusions a, at least attempting to be a prestige adult horror movie? It's riding that line. I, it's kind yeah. of what, that's kind of what Clyde Bar. I mean, Hellraiser even goes for that. Yeah, for I, the I think, most part. I think the problem is that they're just smaller studios. That's the difference. Yeah, like it's yeah. Not, you know, it's not a universal. Right. Um, yeah, I, Barker wrote more for adults. Um, that's kind of it was his thing, but. You know, his teen one was like Nightbreed. Yeah, so watching this, like this is the this is the horror stuff for me, and it's like the little oh, yeah. blood, the little blood in the corner. It's just like, mm-hmm. and you're and you know, where is this going? Is the other thought you have to? Where it's like, it's it's yeah, it's it's a rubber band being pulled back, and you know just enough where it's like, well, that's not him, but like. Is he what's yeah. going, like? There's enough mystery in what's happening for you to be like, like he didn't just fail. Uh huh. <laughs> um. I feel like in the back of your mind, you're like, you know that obviously it's not him, but you want to keep seeing where this is going. Like that's how good this movie is. <laughs> like you just, yeah, you're like. I, I I don't think I want the cops to get him, but I do because 
things are scary right now. <laughs> then it's like, oh no, that's that's definitely not him now. Where are things yeah. going next? And then the um, this perfect shot to what is it going to be? Cassie Lemons running away. Like the second he pulls, oh, yeah, off, when he pulls off the fit. Like just the editing. That's one of my favorite cuts. Yeah, the the editing here is spectacular. And it lost editing. <laughs> it lost the Oscar for editing. <laughs> well, what? If you remember, I just, I just had this too. Um, what is yeah. it? Um, oh, uh, Terminator, Terminator Two, of course. Or no, so, no, what am I talking about? No, JFK. Duh. Oh, that definitely makes it's sense. The best edited movie of the nineties. That's yeah. that's what won. The most edited movie of all time <laughs> yes. up to that point. So yeah, now it's like, well, here's the only other option of who we could be. <laughs> it's like this is gonna be so bad. Oh, give it back. <laughs> just yeah. Oh. And they're like the TV version cuts so much of this out because <laughs> it just cannot like comprehend how to do this. Great cut. Oh my god, like just yeah. Yeah, pulls on mm-hmm. the face. Bum 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 bum. And then you know, the movie wants to posit the immediate idea of wait, so he's gonna come for you? And it's like, like no, no, like, no, that's not his thing. And if you're if you're like three steps ahead, you're like, oh, he's gonna go after Anthony Held. <laughs> like, <that. laughs> like if you're if you're detached enough from the movie to think that far ahead, you're like, oh wait, that's who he's gonna go after. <laughs> oh, and they also need to rule that out so the audience isn't expecting that. You know, it's 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 they need to cut the you know, after this scene, they obviously need to go, okay, now it's back to Buffalo Bill. Yeah, it's like, oh yeah, by the way, we, we now return to your regular broadcast of the Buffalo Bills. Yes. <laughs> Remember this movie? <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. There's another serial killer out there. <laughs> make and cool. now we're in act three. I mean, he's certainly giving it his all as far as putting the suit together. Bad <laughs> mother fucker. I like that the solutions for this movie are what if we just did the research and put our heads together and figured it out? What if we did the reading? <laughs> we got some cliff notes from our, our, our man Hannibal. <laughs> Among the other things, I mean, obviously Hannibal, I think, takes it in a different direction, but is there? I, I've read this in places. Is there an implication that Clarice is a lesbian? Like, is that a thought that's supposed to be going on here? Uh, I don't know. I do know there was, you know, she, Jodie Foster, when she was doing press for this, was always very annoyed when people would ask, why didn't she have a love interest? Just on principle. And, you know, she's correct. That's not what this movie's about. Well, this movie remains um, a B-plus for me because she doesn't kiss, <laughs> kiss a boy at the end of it. So, B-plus. I've like I've read like in the in the midst of the like the the handling of uh, possible transgender aspects of it. I, I know that's yeah. as well as far as what yeah because I think that's that plays into what Harris did in the in the Hannibal novel as far as making yes. you know making them love making Hannibal and her lovers in that is and like what that denies as far as fan theories on what's or fan thought whatever you want to call it as far yeah. as their their thoughts on how to look up to Clarice. Hannibal is a love interest in this movie, even though it's perverse. He, she couldn't have a, he's a busy young FBI student for her to have a love interest would be ridiculous. I never for yeah. a second she's supposed to be a lesbian, whether or oh. not 
Jodie Foster was out of the closet or not, who cares? I mean, she... And, you know... And, the be- fact, and, and for, to have the sequel be Hannibal and her getting together is the logical sequel if you're being forced to write another book about these characters because it's implied in this story. Like, that's what you want to hear next. Yeah, and that, <laughs> and so, like, that argument comes from, like you said, it's like just the, the fact that she doesn't have a love interest is like, oh, that automatically means something else. It's like, well, uh, come on, guys. <laughs> like, yeah. there's, other, there's other ways to write characters. All I know is that when I watched this movie as a 12-year-old, I was hardcore into shipping Clarice with me. I mean, with Lecter, my mistake. Um, but no, I, it, it's without getting into Hannibal, because obviously we're talking about that next month. In many ways, Hannibal is a response to yeah. how pop culture dissected this film and reacted to this film in ways that I don't think Thomas Harris was allegedly very happy with. Uh, and as a result, I think the book, and to a lesser extent, the movie was very ahead of its time in terms of shipping fandoms, right? And how and how that becomes sort of the primary emotional investment in the story. I think you know his anger takes him off course for what his formula is for this series for the next yes. one by bringing it seems to be you know, somebody gets the aid of Hannibal Lecter to find another killer or something like that. And that's there in Hannibal, too. It flips it to a um, degree, yeah. yeah. To a degree. It, it serves as just a first act, and then, you know, he's either forced or just angered to bring Clarice back. And <laughs> that... remember, um, sorry. Remember movies like this where, like, rooms that people had felt like rooms that they actually lived in, not just, like, products that are placed in a room? Yeah, because yeah. yeah. there's a certain level of comfort you get by seeing something like that, where now it's a lot of produced stuff, where it's like, yeah, they have a that poster and that game system, and you know everything else is pretty clean. Where this feels like it's you know rumpled, like there's stuff on the floor and whatever. It's a it's it's a very authentic Midwestern Ohio. Oh, uh-huh. unless, I think like, they're in Ohio. Yeah, like like a Stranger's Things, where they have. Like nineteen eighties <laughs> stuff that nobody had in nineteen eighties up on their wall. Like, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Um, talk- we talked a little, we talked about this last month as far as uh Dino De Laurentiis is heavy involvement with this uh franchise. Um he um gave the uh rights away. <laughs> <For him. laughs> like he was like, Well, Manhunter bombed. Um I don't know about this. I, you know, Orion wants to do a thing. Sure, you can have it for free. Something that just seems like an oxymoron. Did you know we're just giving something away for mm-hmm. free? He gave the rights to Orion for free to use Hannibal uh, and this story um, to make. I mean, even Stephen King would have charged a dollar. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. And as you've mentioned earlier, yeah, chasing it ever since. As far as this, yeah, book, you know, giant ginormous, and it's not like I mean. Hannibal was a it was a hit as well. Like it made its money, yeah. no doubt. And again, I, I think it, it goes to the idea that this film was a smash hit because of this movie, not because of some inherent interest in the IP or the source material or even the marquee characters. Because with the exception of you know the two other films that where Anthony Hopkins played Hannibal Lecter, everything else related to Han- these you know these characters, you know, financially flopped. Hannibal Rising bombed. Even Red Dragon wasn't terribly successful. It did like two hundred million on a ninety million dollar budget, and you know Hannibal the show may be great, but nobody watched it. Um, and I'll be very curious to see how Clarice does. Um, I, I, the old- know, Hannibal too. It, it seemed like a sequel that people like expected was coming, but were patient for it, and then it finally came. Well, um, I, I think fandom was very different. I love, I love mm-hmm. this. It's 
this jump re- jump reveal where she opens it up, she sees the clothes, bam, she understands everything about his motivation now. Oh, right away, yeah, it's great. Because um, again, in the book, he just Lecter just spells it out. Like, oh yeah, he's you know he's trying to make a girl suit out of real girls. Yeah, D- Demi and uh, and Ted Talley, the screenwriter. Um, yeah, who you know won an Oscar. They get how to beef, and I, I imagine Jodie Foster had a hand in this too, as far because yeah, you know, she, like I like I mentioned, she wanted to get the rights for this also. Like they all had a hand in crafting a character that's smart. You know, it's not like she's dumb yeah. in the book, but as far as you know, you can do even more with that. They certainly do as far as how to make this work. Uh, if Jodie Foster has a flaw as an actress, is that she's can't convincingly played dumb. True. Um, you know, it's it's it's. But, uh, yeah, I agree, and that's why in this one it's like she's more caught off guard at times. Yeah, uh, but never like, but uh, but uh, as mentioned earlier, you know, always going for it. You know, he's like, all right, here's a scenario, I'm going to go for it. I might be in over my head, well, but I'm not. I, I think that. this is a film that type partially the typecaster is somebody that was very intelligent. Yeah. Uh, I, I love that he does say, look, you know, we wouldn't have done this without you. It's it's a it's probably his first genuine interaction with her that their quote unquote partnership began. And it's it's you know, low key moving. What kind of name is Jame? Uh a typo? They left the S. It's in the book it's that they left the S off his it's another one of these weird markers that the serial killers have for parents. Yeah, just Jame. It's such a. It's like it's hard to say. <laughs> yeah, Jame Gum. It wasn't it, the idea is that it's a mistake. Mm-hmm. You know, just like him. And that's go. why he's so tortured. Anyway, here comes the fun stuff. <laughs> this oddly, I wasn't confused by. It's like, all right. <laughs> as a child like yeah, he made a suit it's, it's weird I, wanted, I get I, it the last time we were allowed to like go to halloween things I, that's what i was i was him in this scene <laughs> pretty awesome the dog uh, yes i had the dog i had lotion i had a basket i had a bodysuit <laughs> clever on um on her part too, trying to get out of this hole. Mm-hmm. Her have a her strategy is to threaten the man, which is that's a bold one. Like, I'll tell yeah. you that. Like I appreciate her comparative ruthlessness in threatening the dog. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, what else do you do, right? It's like, well, I'm yeah. gonna die regardless down here. So this is like the only mm-hmm. solution I come up with. Yeah. I guess he has like a ladder, right? Like, how else are you getting them out? Right? Because that's a pretty big pit. I don't know. Like, I, I don't. I, a pulley a, system. A lab, I was going to say an elaborate pulley system. I guess it's a well, right? So there could be like a pulley above it or yeah. something that he uh, moves around. There, here we go. Must be good chicken that he made. A dog wants that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Thomas Harris didn't have any involvement with this movie, by the way. He, oh. they had, he had the book, and he said, you guys do what you can, and good on you. <laughs> That's pretty much his involvement. Not out of spite. Like, he was perfectly fine with it being adapted, but he just 
didn't have any you know he, he's not a movie guy <laughs> until yeah. after until after this he was like all right play let me let me write something mm-hmm. <laughs> let me do something else it's funny because you know my you know state of mind experience whatever when i first saw this like i get what he's doing but like to me like he just looks like a heavy metal rocker Oh yeah, he's born like a decade too late. That's the problem. Yeah. Like he'd be perfectly fine in the eighties, like doing some glam yeah. rock stuff. He could find his scene a little bit better. Yeah. And he'd make his own costumes. <laughs> like then you have to organize all this FBI stuff and like planes on tarmacs and things to make it all official. so i think we briefly brushed on this last time but do you call this film a sequel i do loosely and maybe ironically so at the end of the day it, it, it does have a predecessor nothing negates the predecessor really yeah aside from ca- a couple cat you know casting that, changes, yeah, that, but... that's standard yeah I mean, back in the day when you could do that without having to kill somebody off or something, you could just recast <laughs> a part. Yeah. Because that's. Um. When you get asked, you know, what are the best sequels of all time? If you're saying that this is one of the great American films, hard not to say this movie then, right? But then there's the fact that they made Red Dragon with Hopkins that is just awful. Um, so. Um, does that change the course of? I don't know. Um, well, I mean, that's why the X Men yeah. bug me <laughs> because they're all over the place. I've never heard this movie referred to as a sequel before. Strangely yeah. enough, it stands on its own as well, too. And so few people, Manhunter. So few people saw that in the eighties. Mm-hmm. It's weird because I only like just started talking about, and it, it's obvious, but I only just started talking about like from Russia with Love as a sequel. Like obviously yeah. it's a continuation of that franchise as they see, but like as far as there was a first one and there was a second one, I look at promotion of love and see that as one of the best sequels of all time in terms of yep. the degree yeah. the degree of escalation and quality between the first and the second. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, where like the rest of the, like because Bond is such a huge franchise and it's so like you big you just you just think yeah it's another Bond movie, but when I look at promotion of love, it's like that is like that is the second Bond that's a sequel. yeah and yeah. it's so and it's yep. so good like, right. so it's like yeah that would be one of the best sequels of all time. Yeah, um, it gets overlooked a lot <laughs> in that well, it, regard. Yeah, but it, it's I, when I you know, I rewatched all of them back in the first month of quarantine ten years ago. Just for fun, because um, there's no movie coming out. Exactly. Um, <laughs> and you know, much was love. I mean, my thought was that even if the series had stopped at like three or four, that movie would still be one of the best action thrillers of the '60s or '50s, '60s, and '70s. Yeah, it's just I, on its own. Divorced from the franchise and the iconography, it's just a kick-ass action movie. Oh, the final act is like action scene upon action. Yeah, scene oh, yeah. It's, upon it's, action. it's, it's, it's so North great. by Northwest on steroids. Yeah, yeah. that's the movie. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's. I imagine George Lucas was just going, "Holy shit!" So here's another oh. one of the like great edits in cinematic history, right here. Oh, the yeah. series of scenes, right here, as far as the, you, the you big have the FBI, overdone bell. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you have the FBI on outside of a door that you're convinced is James Gunn's house. And like it's it's skillfully it's 
it started with Clarice and then it slowly like moved away from her and mm-hmm. you're just dealing with just Buffalo Bill and, and the F and then Scott Glenn. And so like, by the time they open the door and it's Clarice like, Oh yeah. And it's like, wait, no. Oh man. <laughs> all, all in one. And you're like, <laughs> I remember oh. when I first saw this and it opened the door to her and my heart sank. It was like, what I'm done. Um, I love this guy that comes, the guy that comes to the window is the best. <laughs> I'd, I'd like to very quickly point out that again, getting back to the conversation about, you know, the film's issues and controversies. Well, again, when I was 12, the thing that I noticed was his Nazi bed sheets. Yeah. yeah. The guy sleeps with a quilt with swastikas on it. Anyway, carry on. Was this the I, first time a misdirect like this had been? Because I can't be. Speed, speed would do it. Um, yeah. Like it's obviously it's a you know on a huge scale like, or a big studio. Tough. And it's, it's a tough else. proposition. I think yeah. like Saw did it. You know, like I can't it, imagine like Hitchcock didn't have a number of these in some of his movies. Yeah, I'm not thinking of right this second. Like I mean, Psycho so- does that honestly. Like Psycho does that with like yeah. uh, with Vera Miles in the basement to an extent. You're like, wait, because you're still yeah. like, at that at that point you're still like. Wait, who is killing people? Like, you, you know, there's a... Well, I meant like two completely different people in different spots. Like, they think they're going there. You think, it's yeah. It's almost a cheat, but it's not. But it almost is. You well, know? It, it's only a cheat if you think because of, I mean, cheat is a word for it, but like only because of the 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 use of the bell, like the doorbell and the bell in Buffalo Bills there. Like, because it's mm-hmm. deliberately trying to tell you that that's what's going on. Right. right? And that's that. I know what you're saying. Like, yeah, cheat's like a strong word, I suppose, but it is. It is. I mean, cheat can be a positive too. Sure, terminology. Yeah, it's it's obviously trying to make you think a certain thing, and it's not. But it's not. It's not breaking any rules. It's just convincing you otherwise. It's doing something film can do, and other mediums can't. Possibly, it's if I was going to chop this movie down, that would be the place I would start. It's the one slightly. I'm always ambiguous about whether that's fair or not. What they do dramatically is 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 called for for sure, but. That's a way to raise. It's a tension raiser. Right. At this point, the movie's earned it. So yeah. Either way, I think it's. I mean, that's. I mean, part of that's. This is why Ebert gave it three and a half stars and not four, though. Right. It's because he doesn't like the ending all that much. Yeah. It's 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 a it's a more conventional climax. Which again, whatever. I'll just get an end of it. Uh, It's also straight from the book. Um. I like how she slowly catches on and all this. Mm-hmm. And I like that, you know, I'm skipping ahead 30 seconds. She kind of screws up and having him turn around. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, like even when she goes for the gun, she has to double take it. Cause you can't, she doesn't quite get yeah. it the first time. Like, you know, she's new at this. <laughs> like, yeah. Look at the, like the, just the wheels turning in both of their heads on how they're going to yeah. handle this is amazing. <laughs> Yeah, right there, when she's like, she has to get it twice to get that gun out. Yeah. Perfect. He knows she won't shoot. And he's got the home turf. Yeah. Yeah. So that, <laughs> like, all the truth. Yeah, you can call this conventional if you want to, but it's terrifying. <laughs> it's like this, it works. Especially because we know, like, we have to watch her go from this, you know, average looking house to hell <laughs> like, like down these stairs to this like you know we've already, we've already seen the subterranean prison that like layer and, that, and now we're going to like jame gum's place and it's like what's behind these doors just the and world, just the because she le- learned in her training she checks all the corners this time yeah yeah i guess a real cheat would have been if lecter showed up and saved her right now that would be the, that would oh be god don't even, <laughs> <that> even. <laughs> jesus 
All due respect. Clarice, everybody gets one. Well, even uh, worse would be somehow Scott Glenn shows up at a, you know across the country. Yeah, yeah. I, I saved you. Across the and street. Then they hug and they hug and they kiss. Hug it, they hug it out and kiss. Yeah. Fucking kiss. Yeah. Then they see. Um, I'm putting it. They, they see. They see Lecter's ghost of the difference, and it's like Clarice. What's your name? Le- Clarice. Clarice Skywalker. And it's like what? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> too soon. Still too soon. Yeah. Too soon. Uh, she's in a she gets wheeled you know after this and her recuperating in the hospital and she meets Will Graham there. Okay. <laughs> You're talking about the red dragon ending, basically just in reverse. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> There's some choice photos on that wall right there. Oh. Mm-hmm. I always hoped that Goodbye horses. That Harris would write a story with Will Graham, Clarice Starling, and Hannibal Lecter all in it. It's weird that he hasn't. That would right. be really cool. Yeah. Which is what Hannibal was, or the TV show was going to be. Right? That was the fourth season. It was going to introduce Clarice. It was going to go into silence, yeah. yeah. I want to see his version of it. I'd like to see what his version of it would be. Because I felt like, however good Hannibal the show was, it didn't feel like Thomas Harris to me. It felt more like, what, Brian Fuller? Is that his name? Yeah. No, I, I agree. I, I, At that point, I mean, we had adaptation. I, you know, I fine with him playing yeah. around because yeah. we have the adaptations but, I, but yes yeah, see, i agree with you like it would have been interesting to see him do and he still could i mean i don't know there's nothing stopping him really but yeah. he's still even writing thomas harris he's in his 70s now i think but he, yeah he's 80 i mean what was what else is he doing quarantining <laughs> it's plenty of time to write something like this stuff right like her closing yeah. the doors like everything's handled so smartly like i don't see there's no convention yeah. here. like it's yeah and even the fact that they're yelling at each other you know, she's not going, oh, goodness, I'm saved. Oh, yeah, this is, each other out. these exchanges are perfect. Yeah. She's impatient. Yeah. This is great. Like, yeah, fuck you. Get me out of here. Yeah. <laughs> but she's a senator's daughter. You know, she's a little bit spoiled. She thinks that this young, this woman is not going to be able to save her. I, I, this is a, one of those where I'd love to see it in a theater for the first time because like mm-hmm. just the idea of all of this where you don't know where especially if you haven't read the book if you don't yeah. know where this is going it's like there is some madman in this lair somewhere who knows every turn in this damn place and she's just all by herself every the whole FBI is mm-hmm. you know in another state <laughs> I also love uh, when uh, 28 weeks later did a homage to this oh, yeah. for their finale God, 22 weeks are so good. Oh, is it? Yeah. <laughs> is it right when she sees the moths? Is that when it's going to... Yeah. What's in that tank over there? <laughs> What's in that aquarium? Have we seen the old lady in the bathtub yet? Did I blink and miss that? Not yet. Yeah. Yeah, we saw some more Nazi paraphernalia as well. Yeah. Way, just to be like, again. by the way, you remember, <laughs> yeah, still again, a Nazi. He's a Nazi. <laughs> God, this place keeps going. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Why isn't this a universal haunted house? Like, this would be amazing. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> they have Hannibal rights. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there we go. Hey, the old lady that used to live there. That's when the lights go out, right? Yeah, it's right here. And, every, and the audience goes, ah! Because that's the jump scare. Because it's like, you're seeing yeah. something gross, and it's like, on oh, the lights are off. <laughs> and this is where Buffalo Bill gets greedy. That's the only reason he loses. He gets greedy. Yes. And 
in the book, he actually has a line before he, as he's dying. Yeah. He, he says, you know, what is it like to be so beautiful? Okay. The okay. idea that to him, she represents the ideal, what he, what he wants to be, which is, you know, a, a young, attractive young woman. Yeah. Um, I forget how they filmed this. Like, is it, it, I assume they filmed it where she can actually see. I oh, I'm not sure. It'd be too dangerous otherwise. I think she could see. Which makes, like, I imagine, like, it's probably, I assume it's dim, for sure. Yeah. It's an interesting, like, how do you, you have to act this. You have to act like you can't see because it's dark. Like, that seems like an interesting challenge for an actor. <laughs> but just, and like, just look at the, Yes, she has to combine like fear as well as like I need to maybe kill somebody right now. At the Looking same around time. but not making eye contact with the camera, mm-hmm. like yeah, to be right in front of my face. Yeah, that's great. And like be in an audience like this scene where like your yeah. hero is in front of the killer and he's reaching out to her in the dark <laughs> and she can't see it. Right. That's why like in watching Invisible Man last year was so refreshing. Like it really knew how to use yeah. the negative space so well. Yeah. And I saw that with an audience. I didn't know it was going to happen. Damn revolver sounds. Always giving people like... <laughs> <laughs> right here, this is great. She reloads. It's wonderful. Yeah. Like, yeah. Think of all it's... the final girls that like throw their gun away or throw the knife around. Yeah. And she's like, I'm going to reload because this guy's still in front of me. <laughs> yeah. Dying like a... Yeah, you know, not, not to beat a broken record, but you know, there's an authenticity to this film that you know, puts it... You know, I don't want to say it's others are lacking, but yeah, comparatively, yes, that yeah. the films that came afterwards are lacking. I mentioned that <laughs> these close-ups. I mentioned that um, that I listened to the audiobook of my mom that was narrated by Kathy Bates. She does a really creepy uh, Buffalo Bill <laughs> on the audiobook <laughs> narration. <laughs> she, she does a good job on that. <laughs> She takes the dog. Yeah. It's a nice touch. Yeah. This little detail that it's cold outside, I also like. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, she's been through this traumatic situation. Also, you know, mm-hmm. it's like winter in Ohio or whatever. <laughs> like it's cold. <laughs> yeah. Yes, it is. Yeah. <laughs> you guys know. <laughs> yeah. Again, efficiency too. Like, look at all the like, all this stuff's getting wrapped up with like shots. Like, yeah. out of the house, dog. Yeah, he's Crawford's there. Badge. Like, it's just like there's. You don't need to explain this stuff. You can just do it. That cake probably tastes terrible. Yeah, it does not look like a good <laughs> it looks, cake. Looks like the worst sheet cake. <laughs> Take a bite out of the FBI. The bug guys are here too. I forgot that. Yeah. The bug guys get to come here to the graduation. You're going to shoot their shot? (laughs) Like in a different world, that would be the series, right? That'd be the spinoff series. Which I assume that (laughs) that's got to be what it is, right? We're going to watch. Yeah, they are the long gun. We're going to see Clarice on. 
on CBS. I assume the bug yeah, guys. CBS. Are I'll look this up. I'll see if they're cast. If the bug guys are in Clarice. As played by Jim Parsons. <laughs> Crawford holding that hand just a little bit too long to be like, you know. <laughs> but then the real love interest, like you guys mentioned, Hannibal comes back. The bug, he's like Mike Pensing there with the bug on his hand. This wig they give him. <laughs> <laughs> I have to disguise myself with this blonde wig. Oh, I imagine he relishes the opportunity to, you know, basically dress up like a costume character. Cal Penn's and Clarice. Mm-hmm. What a great final line! Oh yeah, mm-hmm. it's wonderful. The I and that again. If you if people picked up it on earlier, like he's going to go after after Chilton, and like now we're seeing this, we're seeing this play out, and it's like yeah. this weird like. There's a there's a there's a like a triumphant notion to what's going on here, but it's like oh yeah we're left with the murderer is gonna go <laughs> he's gonna go after this guy that treated him poorly and we're and we're cheering this on, <laughs> just like Steve Buscemi in Con Air. Uh, yep. that's that's the most nineties. Well, at least Steve Buscemi just seems he seems like he seems fine. Like you know, he yeah. didn't, well, we don't. We were, even, I think we they all seem people. fine. <laughs> it's not crazy he just has the one thing otherwise he's this man of well he's distinguished yeah uh his hat's gonna fly off if you keep paying attention to it as the credits start rolling he goes all the way down the street he goes all the way down the street his hat flies off someone picks it up and gives it to him and he keeps going does he really yeah that's That's commitment yeah you got just gotta keep watching it but uh it (laughs) this is my smaller tv it's harder to see (laughs) Mm. Gonna get mm. all the way down there. And the One of the most good. deserving Best Picture winners ever, I'd say. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's one hour. You would argue hours. about that too for that year, and I can't think of anybody who doesn't like this movie. Yeah, this is the few. This is one of the few. Well, best Gene Siskel, Yancy. That's who doesn't like the movie. <laughs> one of the few Best Picture. Well, he, he didn't like Feel the Dream, so obviously he has terrible taste. Oh, yeah. there he drops it. There it goes. It went off, and the guy picks oh, it up and hands it, it yeah. back. Yeah. And keep to, going. To be fair, it is a windy day. Like, look at the look at the palm trees; they're all mm-hmm. over the place. It's it's not it's not cool. <laughs> but it is a terrific like <laughs> just way to leave you. Where she's you know she's done this thing. And you've been separated enough from Lecter, so you kind of forget about him. And it's like, oh yeah, he's out there. Like <laughs> it leaves you with, oh, he's gonna go kill that guy. Good for everybody. Got what they wanted. Like we're all happy. Now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's a very, you know, it's almost subversive. Except that, you know, again, getting into the next book slash movie, you know, they don't seem to realize that he doesn't just kill root people. You know, and they make a point when he breaks out of the uh, when he when he escapes and he kills the ambulance people, he kills a tourist. You know, yeah, it's by made, nece- it's all necessity yeah. at that point. Yeah, it's unfortunate necessity, oh. but it's a necessity yeah. nonetheless. Even then, though, I mean, it's not like he was put down in that prison because he killed a couple people. Like he was doing yeah. this <laughs> for doing it for a while with, like, I assume, like his patients, like the ones that didn't have, like, yeah. Families or what when, have you. When, when when people worry about the coastal elites, are they worrying about people like 
Hannibal Lecter when they talk about, I guess they really are with the Pizzagate. And well, as, I mean, yeah, <laughs> uh, what, Tom Hanks and everyone drink baby blood and stuff. So, of course, yeah, that's like, that's, that's has to be what it is. Wait, wait, you don't? <laughs> I did a, a but it's delicious. Today. You got to get the right coupons. That's that's. Uh, I just used my Ralph's card. I haven't I watched. A, the, I, haven't watched I got a really credits. nice chalice for my blood this year. I haven't watched the full <laughs> credits in a while. I didn't realize it just keeps on this shot for the whole time. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, it has a credits that goes all the way over there. I was like a good credits that like keeps the action going. Yeah, it's challenging. Doesn't a long goodbye do that? That's a random poll, but yeah, I think Long Goodbye does that like the whole time where he walks, he does a little dance after he kills that guy for, you know. <laughs> that was a jogger. There you go. Oh, oh. I spotted Hannibal Lecter. I heard, I heard someone <laughs> dropped a hat. Someone dropped a hat over here. <laughs> I'm gonna get so so going, to the, going to the next, we'll talk about the next movie, obviously next month, but Jonathan Demme and Jodie Foster were both like, good script and yeah where's it go and then john demi's like no i don't want to do this and jody foster's like this is dumb i don't want to do this either right that's basically pretty much what it amounts to as far as them not doing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i thought once they yeah. was, once they saw the book they weren't interested or was it only well, a... yeah i yeah, yeah the book, I assumed yeah, the book already but then when they showed him a screenplay they're like no because <laughs> like i think Aww. foster like they got her pretty far along too for a while and then she's like yeah, she's, uh, I don't, yeah. I don't yeah, she turned down quite. I don't know the exact amount, but he turned down quite a bit of money. It was a lot of money. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> they had a lot going. Um, on. We'll we'll, we'll talk we'll talk more about this next because the amount of like effort they put into making a sequel is impressive as far as the talent they got to make that movie. Uh, yeah, regardless of how effective it is. I know Yancey is a bigger fan than we are, but I'll be and I'm I'm looking forward to watching it. I haven't I'm excited. Yeah. Right. yeah, go I back. I got the four K. So I got the four K one to watch. So and... like a month from now, we will all have watched this movie for the first time in probably a while. I assume. Yeah, but it, it's you know I, I watched it yesterday and it's 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 still a very impressively made movie that I happen to not particularly like. Oh yeah, no one yeah, as far as yeah, we'll talk about this. But like yeah. you, know, you get Ridley Scott's making a movie. I'm not gonna be like uninterested in what's going on on screen. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um as far um, as Demi as far as Demi goes, who wins an Oscar for this, and does he get nominated for Phil he doesn't get nominated for Philadelphia. No. Like this this is like his prestige thing, right? He's like this mm-hmm. is even though he gets kind of like lumped in as a prestige filmmaker after this, which is like and to be fair, he makes some things that I guess kind Almost of qualified. affected him negatively to be to, to win this because he never went back to being Jonathan Demi again. Sort of, he, he, he did not yeah. make good movies after this, but yeah, he I mean, didn't make really distinctive movies. And then he passed, I mean, there's, I mean his, the movies still have like his, with the exception of two, Beloved and Truth About Charlie, because Beloved's more of like that's an Oprah movie that he directed, and Truth About Charlie is a it's a thing um the, the other ones i do think they feel like they're more personal to him i think man, like manchurian candidate is so much better than it has any right to be uh because yes. of because oh, of God. because of what he puts into it mm-hmm. and because he has yeah. you know denzel washington and Meryl streep and Liam schreiber yeah. doing their thing and then, rachel, and then rachel getting married was like what That's if i just right. experimented with handheld cameras the entire time and shot digitally like that just feels like a neat like project that happens to have good performances in it was his, uh, his final final job was on Mindhunter? You did an episode of that, I think. Yes, that was, the last that was his final. Yeah, his final thing was Mindhunter. His final film, obviously, was Get Ready for Ricky and the Flash. That was yeah, which ready. I loved, but it's very good. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's like great. you know, we yeah. always complain about Meryl Streep getting nominated for comparatively ad performances. She's fantastic in that picture. She get nominated. Yeah. Did a great good Justin Timberlake concert doc too, which I only really yeah, watched. The, the forest, yeah. one, what is it? Forest, uh, tend to the 
Tennessee kids. Is that it? Yeah, Johnny Doe's yes. the Tennessee kids. Really yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, he made stop making sense. So him making concert movies, like, yes, of course. Right. And he has like 17 Neil Young documentaries, obviously, too. So, you know, <laughs> <laughs> Do we all? I assume we all, the movie's over at this point, but it's real quick. I assume we all would say Silas Lance is his best movie. Yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's one of my all time favorite pictures, so by default. Yeah. I love Melvin and Howard to death. I love Married to the Mob. Married to the Mob is wonderful. And I didn't, I just caught up with that recently. And as a person that really loves hitman comedies, I'm like, how have I not seen this movie for so much of my life? Because it's wonderful. Stop watching Mafia and watch some others. Have you seen Melvin and Howard, Aaron? I have, I have, I own Melvin and Howard. Yeah, it's, it's quite good. It's a great movie. And obviously, Stop Making Sense is, you know, the best culture documentary. That might be his best. This or that, I think. Silence of Lambs or, or, or Stop Making Sense. I also really quite like, I think Philadelphia got slightly underrated for being a message movie. I think it's a pretty solid. Philadelphia is like, wonderful. Class, it's terrific. Made for one of the best SNL commercials of all time, the Philadelphia <laughs> action figures. I love it. I love that. It's it's a terrific movie. It's terrific because it's not just Tom Hanks who's great in it. Right. Everybody's yeah. great in it. And Denzel's arguably better than Tom Hanks in it because he has a trickier part. Well, it's it's the Tom Cruise and Rain Man syndrome. Exactly. Yeah. It's exactly that. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, Silence of the Lambs, we've talked about it. I feel like we got a lot out of this conversation because this is a lot of fun to talk about because uh, it's quite the movie. Uh, but with that said, yes, we are going to come back next month with Hannibal, um, which I'm looking forward to because that is... There's yeah. a lot going on in that movie uh, to talk about. <laughs> and there's a lot of people involved in it, and it certainly produced something. Um, but with that said, let's we wrap up here. Where can people find more of your guys' work online? I'll go in an escalating order this time. Yancey, where can people find more of you? I always get so tense when this question's coming. Right now, I'm just on Facebook, Twitter, Yancey Jack. I'm still raising this child. There's only one. But eventually, there'll be somewhere where work will appear. Thank you for asking. Sure. Scott Mendelson, where are you able to find more of you? Uh, Forbes.com, the ticket booth. So Google some variation of Forbes, Scott Mendelson, the ticket booth. Brandon Peters, where can people find more of you? Uh, the Brandon Peters Show, brandonpetersshow.com, on Twitter, Instagram, at Brandon4KUHD. If you're listening to this on Out Now, Monday, I have a new episode uh, doing Lady Snowblood with Katie Reif from the AV Club. And if you're listening to my show, um, you heard that yesterday, and I'll see you on the Old Space show tomorrow with Rachel Friend doing uh, the Colin Baker era of Doctor Who. I, I'm very happy that you think that people are going to tune into this commentary in the two days between now and the Monday that that show comes on. Right? <laughs> there are people that are chomping at the bit for this commentary track. So. Well, if you came here first, you could go there after. Does it, you know, mm-hmm. became, yeah. So I, is Brandon, is your talk radio setup trying to make me think of a, a grim dark version of talk radio slash the fog? <laughs> <laughs> and then the compliment. You you look kind of awesome. Yeah, just oh, call yeah. Him, just call him Bogosian Bardot over there. <laughs> um, I've never been called look kind of awesome before, so thank you, Scott. I, I try to refrain because it's very easy to. It's just the glow uh, of my 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 TV coming on me. <laughs> we already did the uh I'm in a I'm getting a fake tan. Ah. Getting a tanning bed. No, now it's gone. Oh, there we go. There we go. You can find more of me over at thecodezeke.com. Everything I do ends up over there, my personal blog. Um, I'm on whysoblue.com, where I'm reviewing Criterions mainly these days. And I'm on We Live Entertainment for movie reviews and Twitter at Aaron's PS4. You can find all the episodes of this podcast on iTunes, Audible, Spotify, and Stitcher. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. All those links are available. You can find how, how to find our show and everything. It's not that hard. And you've probably listened to other episodes, so there you go. Uh, thank you to Scott, Brandon, and Nancy for joining me for this Silence of the Lambs commentary track. Yeah. 
Thank you, guys. Hashtag Duck Aaron. <laughs> I was glad Abe was able to make a brief appearance on here. I know he's been quite busy, but I do know he also really loves this movie, so I was happy to be able to chime in for a little bit. Uh, but with all that said, until next month when we talk about Hannibal, that's going to do it. So until then, so long and goodbye. Goodbye.